0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yep, back again for another exciting week. Uh, Greg Penglis here. And uh, this is just, I never said my name before. I guess, I, I guess you just assume <laughs> that you people know who's going to be here, and we just kind of go on from there. Um, yeah, so here around the Gulf Coast of Florida, it's, uh, it was pouring rain a few minutes ago, and now it's brilliant sunshine. It was pouring rain before that, and there was, you know, the sun was rising before that. I mean, the weather's crazy around here, so we're getting uh, some really mixed stuff. Uh, the Blue Angels were flying, I think, Friday and Saturday, and mobs of people, and I do mean mobs of people, uh, were there down at Pensacola Beach to watch. It's uh it's quite a spectacle around here because this is the home of the Blue Angels so they fly around here quite a bit actually um, it's interesting uh, July Fourth of course a lot of times it's terrible weather because it's uh, storm season it's summertime and I think they should do a Christmas show instead the weather's a lot better it's colder yeah but you know it's uh it would be a great time to see the shows because the air is clearer and it's wonderful um, I got spoiled with the Blue Angels being a San Francisco tour guide because I was driving these motorized cable cars and you know a, a couple of times I've been on the Golden Gate Bridge with, you know, wide open air, right? And they'll fly right overhead. (laughs) Six Blue Angels will uh, will fly right over the top of us. That's kind of exciting. Of course, it'd be more exciting to be in them. And a friend of mine got to take a ride with the Blue Angels this weekend. And I've been waiting to do that since I was five years old. So uh, I'll still be working on that, but uh, I'm still young and healthy. So uh, there's time for my Blue Angels ride. Besides, I want to buy my own jet and do that kind of stuff, you know, every weekend. Loops, rolls, you know, crazy stuff. And just, uh, you know, take friends up and teach people how to fly jets just for, just because, right? I mean, I love doing things that people can't normally do. Uh, that's what makes life exciting. So anyway, lots going on everywhere. Um, things happening in Action Radio. The biggest problem is is uh, folks not sharing, not sharing the shows, not sharing the bills. I mean, it is my continual fascination that people would rather complain than uh, do something, and, and especially when doing something is so easy. So I'm wondering, maybe someone can tell me, um, is it too easy? Is the idea of sharing legislation written by us regular people um, to Congress, to state legislatures, to governors, to city council, school boards, you know, county commissions, uh, is that just too easy? Do you, do you think that there has to be some catch, some some um, extra work, some something? I mean, do you do you have to go to rallies and meetings and spend lots of money and protests and make signs? And is, is that the only way that change happens? Um, maybe this is too new. And maybe that's part of the problem because I still get, you know, people smart, you know, capable people, you know, well-informed. They know what they're doing, but they're not sharing the shows. and sharing the bills. Now I know um, that we're putting out good shows and I know that we're putting out really good bills and we've got some amazing legislation, you know, some of which is, is working its way, I hope, to the highest levels of, of power. I'm talking about our vaccine and big tech bills in particular uh, to uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. and uh, Donald Trump. That's And it should have happened a long time ago because we wrote the bill two years ago. So why they're not there, I don't know. But I know that when we can get past the minions and past the, 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 the doom and gloom people and past the doubters and skeptics and past the other people that really don't understand um, this and the power of what we do here, then uh, it should be no problem. So those folks understand. I mean, Robert Kennedy and, and Donald Trump will understand in a, in a nanosecond what we're doing. That's not where the issue is. The issue uh, is getting it to... Uh, a bunch of other folks and that's that's where i'm trying to uh, you know affect the real change here <sighs> we shall see we shall see i should try there we go all right so let me tell you what's going on oh another thing too well i'll go oh, oh wait oh, marco pops on the uh show marco's our, our uh person in netherlands is so chat um in fact let me play you i i developed a um a production piece which i, I should probably play i'm gonna play this at least well probably once at least once a show Maybe twice a show, depending on my mood. But I put all the contact information in one place because I got tired of saying it. And I think I should be saying this right up front. So let me just play this and you'll know exactly uh, how to reach us. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash action. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page, available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S WriteYourLaws.com This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpengliss.substack.com Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Yes, I made that uh, over the weekend, and that kind of sums up pretty much everything. So having done that, we can get back to the show. Um, so, again, I'm going to talk to Marco when he comes on because there's a bunch of things happening in the Netherlands. The government's collapsing. Uh, we've got a new election for them in the fall. And that's where all the farmers are. <laughs> in the, in Netherlands, Netherlands produces an amazing amount of food. And so I definitely want to talk to him about that. Uh, going on in this country, we've got some debates. Um, that's, uh, the biggest one right now is cluster prop. And they're not cluster munitions. Okay, let's, let's, let's clear this up right now. In fact, it was one of the Newsmax people caught it. I caught it last night. When I first heard the, the oh, I was listening to the story. Uh, they talk about cluster munitions. These are bombs, okay? And they, and each bomb has about a, a, a you know hundred or a thousand. I'm not sure how many. Let's just say hundred for the sake of argument. It's got hundred little bomblets. <laughs> these little bomblets scatter everywhere and they blow up It's like shrapnel. Uh, the the closest equivalent back in the old days would have been grape shot. So if you know what grape shot is, it's a, it was a civil war. Yeah, munition, it actually, was an artillery shell, and what it had it was tiny little steel balls or, or iron balls, whatever musket balls, and they put them into this uh, this canister, and when it uh, detonated, uh, it would had like an explosive shell, and it would detonate ideally in the air, and just it was like it was like firing, you know, a hundred muskets all at once, and so it was called grape shot, and uh, I guess the, the musket balls about the size of a small grape. It was, it was devastating, horrible stuff. Cluster bombs are disgusting. I mean, a lot of countries ban them. I've got a big story on the BBC um, about cluster bombs, and we'll talk about this uh, tomorrow. And so it's uh, it's, it's pretty sickening how it, how it goes. And then, of course, there's, there's Joe Biden's you know, admission that, gee, we're low on ammo. Well, gee, Joe, <laughs> we're low on everything because of Joe. So the other thing I found fascinating, a little bit of vindication. Uh, in fact, this is one of my Facebook things. So it's July 4th, right? July 4th, after the show. I'm thinking about what's going on. And I'm watching the news start to criticize uh, Brandon, and so I wrote, a, I made a post. Bet Obama has ordered the press to report on Brandon, so that an investigation and plea deal can be done, so Trump can't touch him. And, and they said, and the new Democrat will, you know, shortly be chosen to run. Um, and so then JD Rucker, who does one of my favorite Substack articles on July 9th, says, Yeah, there's something going on out there. I mean, they're not uh, really criticizing him, but they're not backing him either. So I'll probably get that one to tomorrow also. But it's interesting. It's like confirmation vindication, you know, we, we called it right here first, which is interesting. So notice the change that they're actually going after him. Now the cocaine story is a complete diversion. They know who did it. They've got cameras in every room. Uh, they can drug test anybody. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Republicans, if they were real Republicans would, would demand that uh, Hunter Biden be drug tested um, to see if he still actively has cocaine in his system. You know, I mean, that's what they should do, but they don't cause they're geldings, but that's the easy way out of this one. And so uh, the media is kind of going after, but not really, But that's not the real story. The real story is the fact that uh, inflation is still horrible. And it was all caused by uh, Brandon and the Democrats, that our border is non-existent. And we've got I mean, they're destroying this country with illegals. That's a lot bigger problem than uh, than Hunter Biden's cocaine that he left in the White House. Um, And so many other things too: the the energy situation, foreign policy situation, the Ukraine war and and why we should be out of it. (laughs) But and the cluster bombs are part of that. Uh, but there's a lot of things going on, and it's pouring rain out there. Oh, no, I think it stopped. Well, it's kind of a little bit. So those are the big news. Uh, something else I, just, I I thought about right before the show, and I'm going to develop this a little bit further. And it goes to the case we're going to get to in just a little bit again. And I, I really hope I'm not boring people with this because I think it's fascinating, but you don't let me know. I mean, get on live chat and say, hey, Greg, enough of the court case. We're bored. We're, we're, it's, it's just dull. I personally think the issues are fascinating, and I think they have ramifications far beyond this case, and it goes to a level, not just corruption in government, but arrogance. There were multiple agencies with multiple teams coordinating multiple areas to suppress Things in government that uh, things in social media that they didn't want, and the arrogance I think goes to uh, psychopathy after a while. And I'm write an article on this. I, I'm still kind of formulating in my head how to do it exactly. But if you look at you know the, the government people that said, well, we're just here to safeguard um, the public from misinformation, which means they know what's right and what's not according to them. Uh, even though we know that's a lie, right? But they think. They think misinformation is information they don't want out there, that uh, that somehow if someone speaks the truth other than what, what they get out there, you know, if someone said, well, we know the vaccines are not safe and effective despite what the government says, the government says, wait a minute, they're safe and effective. Why? Because they want them to be, or they don't care. They're just making the money. But the point is that they think that anything that, that says something contrary to what they say, it's, it's kind of like a two-year-old mentality, really. You can't say that. I said, you know, you know I said, if I, asked, you know, or it's like, remember the game, got your last, got your last. You know, it's like, it's very childish uh, way of looking at things. But I think of Democrats as, you know, mostly children for the most part anyway. And the, the gelding Republicans pretty much in the same boat that uh, you can't say anything against government. You, know, you can't say anything against me. You know, uh, this, and they all take it personally. But in order to do this, they have to believe that they're, uh, in order to sell misinformation for information, you have to believe that you're always right. And this is going to be the thrust of my article. And I saw somebody else talking about this last night. And it was a, it was a Newsmax thing. I, I should probably write these things down. I'll give credit where credit's due. Someone else mentioned that, my name is Mike Huckabee, that, uh, that in order to, he's one of the smartest guys out there, uh, in order to, uh, for the government to do this, they have to believe that they're always right. Because that's the only way they can always tell what's information and what's misinformation. Well, since nobody does that, nobody's always right, that, that kind of arrogance uh, borders on, on uh, a psychopathic behavior. Because not only do they believe they're right, they believe they're right for everything. They believe their own propaganda. They believe that whatever they say, you know, is almost law. And it's really quite fascinating uh, to the extent that this goes. So I'm going to be exploring that in an article. And the other thing, the other thing that uh, um, I'm going to be exploring. Oh, little side note, little housekeeping. Um, Jonathan may or may not be here. Uh, so he's 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 a busy guy. And so I'll know at the top of the next hour if he's going to be here. If he's not i got tons of stuff to play. i got interviews. i got things. i got, uh, I, got, I got all kinds of things. And something else I made up, too. Oh, I know what it was. I one of my new themes. Got to make some more themes. Um, so uh, that's going to keep us going. We've got, to, we've got plenty to talk about. Of course, you can always call the show, 215-383-3832. Get on live chat. And again, I mentioned the Skype line and everything else. So if you need more information, if you miss my announcements, then just go to the broadcast page because all the contact information is there, too. All right. So standing. Standing is something that uh, the court case... We're talking about Judge Doty's injunction on Brandon and all of his stooges about communicating with social media. They can't do it. Uh, I think they're doing it anyway. I think they're just because they're arrogant. They're, they're psychopaths. They think that uh, they are the ultimate power. And every, everything they do is right because they want to do it. So if I want it, it's okay. It must be legal. Nixon had that problem. He, he said, well, the president does it, it's legal. Well, it's a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's why we had Watergate because it wasn't legal. You know, Brandon is not a legal president. Everything he does is illegal. You know, the entire administration under him, everything they do is illegal because he's an illegal president. He's not. He didn't win the election. And that's the first thing. And the psychopathy of these people. So, well, you, you can't say that. Well, why not? It's true. You know, it's like, what, what's the uh, what's the remedy for libel or slander? Truth. So if I if I accuse you know, my favorite one, Nancy Pelosi of sleeping with fuzzy blue teddy bears, if I say it as a joke, like I'm saying now, it's a joke. It's funny. OK, that's OK, because you can say that about public figures. But if I said it, if I started saying it's true and I can prove it and, and I can't now, now you're talking libel and slander. OK, so that's why I don't say that. All right. But what if she did sleep with fuzzy blue teddy bears? Well, then it's true. Then I can say it, you know, especially if I can prove it. So the same thing goes with uh, the, the, the stolen election. There's mountains. Mountains of evidence, documentary films, affidavits, videotape, you know, ballot counts, computer programs, forensics. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So we know the election was stolen. We, we knew it was stolen the day after it was stolen. You know, that's not a big mystery. Uh, we knew that uh, uh, when the, uh, the Democrats tried to get rid of the Trump electors, that we knew it was stolen. And why would they need to do that? We knew January 6th, the election was stolen. Why would they need to do January 6th if the election wasn't stolen, if it was an honest and fair election? That, and actually, you know, you know, I think about it. That's a really good point. Huh. So, uh, yeah, i got to write that down. So what's today? 7, 10. I I need a new notebook. I'm running a a five-subject notebook. I've only had it like two months. So it's almost already full. 7, 10, 23. No need. I mean, January 6 is the proof that the election was stolen. No need for J6. If I love my gel pen. Election wasn't stolen. I'm trying to rewrite in cursive again like I used to. Kind of fun. So the other thing is standing. So standing is this mythical concept. Johnson's talked about it. I've talked about it. I learned a lot of what I about from him. Um, but the idea that if you... Standing is the ability to bring a lawsuit in a case or bring a case before the Supreme Court. In other words, you have to, uh, you have, to have a stake in the game. You have to be personally injured. You have to prove that, that it's legal for you to sue. And I thought, well, wait a minute. What, shouldn't the Supreme Court have to do the same thing? Shouldn't they have to prove standing also? So, in other words, they, they, shouldn't we have some, uh, I might, there might be a bill in this. I don't know yet. So I just wrote some notes down right before the show, like about 10 minutes before the show. So I wrote on standing. If the court can determine the right to sue based on their bogus and made-up tests, why isn't the Constitution used to determine standing for the court by determining first? if the states have delegated any powers to the court in the Constitution to have standing to take you know, any particular case. And I use the example of Roe v. Wade. Okay? There is no standing for the Supreme Court to take Roe v. Wade because the federal government has no delegated constitutional power over health. It's literally just that simple. So can they take the case on other issues? Sure. And I think they did. But uh, they couldn't prove standing over health because they don't have any standing over health. They don't have standing over, over education. Uh, there's no, there's no con- constitutional delegation over um, the environment, so they could not have determined if carbon dioxide was a pollutant. Okay? So there's a lot of things going on here, and, and uh, I'm building up a, a list here because I'm trying to uh, debate uh, Alan Dershowitz, and this is one of the things I'll talk to him about. I so said, wait a minute. So if the court can, have tested, can determine whether other people have standing, how do we determine if the court has standing to take a case? Because they can take cases in law and equity, okay? So as long as the cases in law and equity, you know, arising under the Constitution. So if, it, if it's arising under the Constitution, then it has to have um, – has to be in the Constitution, <laughs> okay? So now that, what areas, you know, can the court take ri- arising under the Constitution? Now, can they take an environmental law because it's a law? Yeah, that makes sense, as long as there's an issue in the Constitution. Can they then go ahead and regulate the environment and, de- and declare carbon dioxide a pollutant? No, because they don't have standing there. So I'm wondering if standing can be used in two different ways. This is going through my, my mind right now. Can standing be used against the court to, to have them not take cases until they prove that they have standing? And shouldn't they have to determine that they have standing, whether whether uh, as they determine bogusly, which they can't do, that the parties involved have standing? So this is where I'm going with this, right? So I, I think it's kind of interesting. Anyway, I've um, got some Facebook things. I talked about the, the one on Obama. Uh, I wrote over the weekend, hey, GOP geldings, why don't you demand that Hunter Biden take a drug test? Well, actually, they should demand everybody in the last week who went to the White House take a drug test. That would be a good idea. Uh, I also wrote, now that a controlled substance, cocaine, has been found in the White House, the Bidens are subject to full criminal asset forfeiture. Why don't you take their stuff? You know, the Congress should order this. Or, or uh, you know, we're it's not the way for Trump for a lot of this because people think Brandon's president. When he's not, um, but it'd be interesting that uh, you know if, if criminals. In other words, if, if crack cocaine, and we did, I think it's crack, cocaine, I don't think it was regular cocaine. I think it's crack cocaine was found, which is, seems to be a hundred Biden specialty. Uh, anyway, so if 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 uh, the police find cocaine in your house, you know, and uh, for Americans they have to go through due process, but as part of due process, they find that you know you got a crack house, they can take your house. Now for illegal aliens, you can take all their stuff, you know, because they don't have rights in this country. Just by being in this country illegally, you can take their stuff. Pretty easy. Just like if, uh, if a smuggler brings in stuff into the country illegally, you can you can arrest them and take their stuff. Okay. So, well, think of illegal aliens as smugglers because it's basically what they are. If they bring anything in, you know, then they're smuggling, and and so anything they get here is illegal anyway, because they're not allowed to be here. So um, you can you can seize their stuff. <laughs> It's really interesting. So we can see, so, so the Bidens, by having cocaine in the White House, brings the White House under suspicion as a source of cocaine. Well, I mean, you have to prove it, of course, but uh, if, if it can be shown that that's a sour source of cocaine, then we can take all this stuff. Asset forfeiture, that's what it's for. Stop criminal activities. Oh, here's another one I wrote too. I wrote this down. Nobody quite figured it out, which is why I like to drop these little bombshells occasionally. So I wrote my quest, um, this is another Facebook uh, post. And these are public, so anybody can take a look at Just go to my Facebook page. So I wrote my press question for K Jean-Pierre. I guess that's Kareem. I don't know how to spell Kareem. Unless it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Maybe it's the same spelling. I don't know. Anyway, so, or is it Kareem? Whatever, K. K. Jean-Pierre. And if I were in the, in the White House press car I'd ask her, will you let immigrants move home, or are you forcing them to stay once they've crossed the southern border? See, this is, this is the question asking a question that's not being asked while I'm asking the question, right? So, so if I put it to them, will you let immigrants move home? Well, wait a minute. See, nobody asked that question, right? So nobody asked the question, should the immigrants, you know? and the reason I asked that is because we put it on them. Are they imprisoning them here? Are they keeping them here? Are they keeping them there here against their will? What if they find they don't like it here? What if they find that the situation is better in their own country, which is what I'm hoping they'll find. In fact, I want to make life so miserable for illegals that they go home anyway. That's the, that's the easiest way to get them out. You know, have them move themselves, right? So, so I ask this question, you know, and I'd love to ask uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre, you know, will you let immigrants grow, go home or are you forcing them to stay once they've crossed the southern border? So what this does, and nobody figured this out, it's kind of interesting, is it puts, the, it puts out the implication that maybe this plan is not only um, an open door policy, but it's an imprisonment policy. Because if they want the boats that badly, they're going to make sure those people stay here and have kids here. And do all kinds of things here, get driver's licenses, you know, and pay taxes and things that they allegedly can buy their way into citizenship and serve in the military. And then you bring the, uh, the voting age, they want to bring the voting age down to 16. Okay, fine, bring the gun-owning age down to 16 and the gun-carrying age. Well, I mean, rights are right, right? What's the difference? The right to vote and the right to carry a gun, they're both rights. So if you can express one, you, can, you know, you have to be able to express the other because we have the equal protection of laws. So it would be unconstitutional to make the vote 16 and not make the carrying of guns at 16 uh, the law of the land also. So why are you protecting one right over another? That's not equal protection of rights, which means it's not equal protection of laws, which means on the 14th Amendment it would be unconstitutional to have 16-year-olds vote and uh, 18-year-olds, uh, you know, n- or not be able to carry a gun in some states until you're 21. That's a complete violation. So all rights should accrue to adults at 18. You vote at 18, you can drink at 18, you, know, you can serve in the military at 18, you can own a business at 18, get married at 18, uh, you can know, do all kinds of things at 18. I guess you can get married younger with parental consent. I don't know why anybody would. It's crazy. But anyway, I don't know how that works. But that's the point. All right, what else did I write down here? And the last one, yeah, is, is the way to remove all illegal aliens is to make life so miserable for them here that going home is by far the best option. And I put a bunch of our bills, asset forfeiture, birthright citizenship removal, you know, all these different things I had in there. And uh, this is this is the post that caused me to say when I read the post and everybody was like, well, that can't be done. It's not going to work. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Negative, 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 you know, boo, 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 hoo, hoo. Right. And so I thought you people you've even sent a bill in. You have no idea whether this will work or not. So, you know, that's a problem. Mass apathy that uh, conservatives would rather complain than do something. And that's that's kind of a problem. All right. Let's get to the court case. I love this court case. I think I'm the only one. I really do. <laughs> because nobody else seems to be as enthralled with this as I am. But there's some fascinating parts of this. And uh, if someone checks, I'll have to check live chat periodically and see what's going on. Because i have got a, a lot of things to do on this on this case. All right. So when we last left off, uh, dear friend. Oh, let me just say one thing, too. Um, so the case was brought by plaintiffs, a bunch of different plaintiffs, people that... You know, are, are more prominent than me because I would have brought this case myself. In fact, I, I wrote a case, you know, over two years ago that does basically the same thing. Couldn't find a lawyer. So, you know, I don't get no respect. You know, I mean, runny danger you Yeah, I don't get no respect, man. Eh, one of those things. Anyway, so there are, there are nine different things that um, Brandon and the Stooges are doing. Uh, and the upper, it'd be a great name for a rock group, Brandon and the Apparatchiks. And now, let from ladies and gentlemen from Delaware, USA, Brandon and the Apparatchiks. It, it, it'd be a great name for band because it's what they are, you know. Apparatchiks is a derogatory term for for Soviet communist people that follow the party line and you know do whatever the party says, including kill <laughs> because they're told to. All right, anyway, so that's an Um Anyway, so I, I talked about uh, so I got these nine things. And these are the things that people were doing that caused the government to censor them. Well, guess what? We did all of them. So this is under section two factual background. This is early in the case. Uh, It says, in this case, plaintiffs allege that the defendants, that would be the the Brandon insurrection and appropriate apparatchiks, suppressed conservative. Well, I added those few words. So it says, in this case, plaintiffs allege that defendants suppressed conservative-leaning speech, free speech, such as. Okay, so again, the defendants are Brandon and the entire uh, insurrection, the deep state insurrection. One, suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story prior to the 2020 election. We talked about it. Two, suppressing speech about the lab leak theory of COVID-19's origin. Yeah, we had Bill Gertz on February 25th, 2020. Yep, we did that one too. Number three, suppressing speech. I feel like it's like a top 10 list. It's like, uh, who is that talk show host? Guy from Indiana, the weatherman. And now Dave, that guy. Dave, 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 the liberal, Dave, the late night talk show. He's not there anymore. Dave, I'll think of it. <laughs> he Actually, was pretty funny. He had a top 10 list. So here's our top nine list of things that we've done at Action Radio and we're suppressed for. So we did the lab leak theory. Number, number three, suppressing speech about the efficiency of masks and COVID-19 lockdowns. Oh, yeah, we definitely did that starting March 2nd, our show, starting my, uh, my bill, February 27th, and, of course, my uh, big video march 21st saying everything the government's doing is unconstitutional right right in the middle of 15 days to slow the spread i put out this video still you know still getting abused number number five no that was number five number five suppressing speech about election integrity in the 2020 presidential election oh yeah like i said the day after the election we called it a fraud you know we called it a fraud with the 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 trump electors not being allowed to be to vote called it a fraud we had general mcinerney you know, the, the Air Force General that, that talked exactly how the election was stolen two weeks after the election. So, yeah, that's us. We did that one too. Number six, suppressing speech about the security of voting by mail. Oh, we definitely did that. We've got an election integrity Facebook page. We've got Diane and I wrote a bill. You know, we have all kinds of things for election integrity. Yeah, we, voting by mail sucks. Number seven, in Dave, oh, What's his name? Dave, 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 late night talk show house. it'll come to me. Number seven, suppressing parody content about defendants. <laughs> Yeah, don't make fun of don't make fun of Brandon by calling him Brandon. Yeah, we did that. Uh, number eight, which got a happy face with sunglasses. I'm not sure how some of this got snuck in. it's it some like code or something? Maybe it's part of the tracking. Number eight, number seven, number eight. Excuse me, suppressing negative posts about the economy. <laughs> Have we had any positive posts about the economy ever since uh, Brandon took over? No, so definitely us. Yes. And number nine, suppressing negative quotes from. Uh, And they say President Biden. Well, the fact that we never say President Biden except to point out that other people do or because it's written in something. Yeah, we uh, we definitely were suppressed, you know, for all our negative quotes about Brandon, the insurrectionist and the (laughs) apparatchiks. That's definitely us. Oh, someone's popped up on the on the phone list. Let me do a quick phone check here. See if I can see who my uh, my 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 guest caller is. Actually, let me just do something quickly. Hang on. Too many things to do. Who do 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 for my for today. And then check it. nope, not one of them. Alright, let's just pull up the phone list here. So as I'm looking for a producer, as soon as I have a producer, they will do all this. But because I don't have a producer, I have to do it. I don't see this number. So unless there's something I haven't recorded yet. Well, let's see what we got here. Mm-hmm. Check mm-hmm. my schedule, make sure I don't have anybody listed for today. Nope, I don't. Let me write this number down. Mm-hmm so now i recorded the number what i'm going to do is i'm going to take a quick break screen this phone call and i will be right back greg Penglis here for my book the complete guide to flight instruction everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly few try even fewer go on to get a license i believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive. Radio. Dangerously cool. Okay, so I've got uh, one of our listeners who's going to be listening. um, And folks do that. They'll they'll call in and listen to the show by phone. But the best thing to do uh, is to just catch us online. And that's what most people do. And I want to encourage that because if everybody starts calling in to listen to the show, it's going to get a little crowded and I have to sort through all, all the folks. But um, the best thing is go to blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action, uh, put that into your phone, and just listen, just catch, just put the top show in. That's going to be uh, the live show. Live show is always the top one, and that way you can listen directly online uh, as opposed to calling and listening on your phone that way. Because you can listen on your phone anyway, but it connects your phone to your, your vehicle audio or your computer or anything else, and with better speakers, you can listen that way. And that's the best way to do it. A couple of things. We've got Pianchi on live chat who says the courts are creating false standings that were never intended by the absolute constitution. I'm not sure what the absolute constitution is. Uh, I just think of the constitution. But uh, I, I think I know what he means as opposed to the court cases, which the court considers part of the constitution, which aren't because they are subordinate to the constitution. The constitution is the supreme law of the land, not what the court makes up and says about it. Um, and then uh, Marco's there, too. Now, Marco, i give got to a favor to ask of Marco. And so Marco's our, 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 our person in the Netherlands. Um, and so the Netherlands is going through some real problems. And so, Marco, I, I do copy the websites that you, that you give me, the links that you give me. But if you can get me some really good, you know, Netherlands, you know, local especially information. And, of course, uh, you know, my favorite reporter, Eva van Dinglebrug, who is the most gorgeous woman in the world today, uh, who I'd love to have on the show. Uh, her commentaries, I'm watching those too. She's brilliant. Um, but I want to know what's going on there. You've got an election coming up. You've got farmer riots. You've got, uh, and rightly so. The farmers are right, okay, because they're trying to, you know, they're trying to ban nitrogen. <laughs> well, nitrogen 72% of the atmosphere. Kind of stupid, huh? And yet that's what's going on. Um, but I'm, uh, we're going to start to get into foreign policy here on Action Radio because there is so much. Again, the cluster bombs that Brandon wants to send to the Ukraine that are banned by most countries uh, because they're horrible. Um, the, uh, The other things that are happening, you know, the whole idea of of Ukraine and NATO, and just this ridiculous war that's going on. Um, But France is having problems, you know, France because they brought in, you know, way too many Algerians. And I was listening to uh, Glenn Beck over the weekend, and Glenn was talking to a guest who actually interviewed uh, a bunch of uh, Algerians in France, and he asked them, he says, uh, you know, in your heart, you know, are you Algerian or are you French? And and to a person, they said Algerian, and that's their allegiance. Well, see, the whole point of the United States, you know, if you come here, the whole point is, at least it was under Teddy Roosevelt, is that you become American. You know, I'm a Canadian by birth, but I'm American. You know, my character is American, you know, and there's no reservation about that whatsoever. Do I, do I love Canada? Absolutely. Do I love what's happening there? No, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to try and change it. But, uh, I mean, I grew up in Canada, Australia, and the United States. I got three countries in my background. But my allegiance, unquestionably, is to the United States. You know, that's, that's why I'm here. That's why I started Action Radio here. I couldn't do this in Canada or Australia, not the same way. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to try. I like it here. <laughs> Otherwise I would have left a long time ago. Cause I, I can walk into either Canada or Australia based on family, based on uh, uh, especially Canada, my Canadian citizenship. I can walk in there anytime I want. I could work there, live there, do anything. I was born there. I can get a Canadian passport. I, I don't. I did for a while though. It was kind of fun. I did just to see if I could do it. <laughs> it was kind of cool. So I had an American passport, I got a Canadian passport. I feel like a spy now. <laughs> it was kind of cool. Anyway, um, but the point being that my allegiance is here. And so the problem with, uh, the problem is that immigration has to confirm that if you are immigrating to a country, that, you, that your allegiance is to that country. And uh, the, the interviewer, again, was talking about uh, Charles de Gaulle, uh, World War II, because there's immigration after the war. And he was asked you know, if people could come to France and become French. This is In their heart, I mean, absolutely believe that they're French. She says, yeah, but you've got to embrace the culture. You've got to embrace the language. You've got to speak the language. You've got to read the history. You've got to learn all about it, which is exactly what we do here with our citizenship. That's what I had to do. I had to, in fact, the, the reason I do what I do now, probably more than anything else, is my citizenship um, process. I was interviewed. I talked about the Bill of Rights. I actually memorized them. I was pretty good about it, too. And I don't memorize easily, so it was a, it was a challenge. You know, learned the Constitution, read the Declaration of Independence, learned all that stuff got a real appreciation for this country. So I knew, uh, you know, when uh, the United States requires your allegiance before you become a citizen, you know what your your allegiance is to. Well, see, we don't do that anymore. We just bring people in because Democrats want voters. You know, Republicans want cheap labor, you know, for their donors who belong to big corporations. And and, and, well, now Democrats want the same thing. So if you're going to come to a country, the the number one requirement is that you give up all allegiance to other countries. Now, does that mean you leave your culture behind, your language? No, but you don't have any allegiance there. If you're Italian and come here, you become American. If you're Brazilian, you become American. If you're Chinese, you become American. Remember Xi Xi Van Fleet, who was on the show um, July 4th. You know, she escaped Mao's communist China. She's American. She's more American than Americans born here. You know, that's that's kind of like an accident. You're just lucky. You know, you, you won the lottery, okay? You were born here. Anyway, it's quite fascinating. So that's how a lot of that, uh, that works. Anyway, so Netherlands, I want to ask Marco. And uh, I'll, if you post some websites, Marco, I do copy them down. I do post them to my show notes. So that I always have them. So I can always go, go back and check. Uh, and especially these ones. You know, sometimes we do some pretty funny websites. But uh, these ones on what's going on, local Netherlands news, I'm really curious about. All right. So let's get to the case. The case. The big case. The case that people aren't talking about as much anymore, which is really too bad. Because it's fascinating. Oh, Piaki, another housekeeping note: uh, Jonathan may or may not be here, so feel free to call in if you have uh, have a chance. You want to kind of hash over these issues. So let's get to. I've done my open comments and that to that. Let's get to the case. So, so ladies and gentlemen, when we last left our case, I'll give you my radio voice. Ladies and gentlemen, now on day three of Judge Doty's case, you know banning Brandon from talking to uh, social media. There we go. When we last left our players, they were you know gathered in a courtroom far far away. All right, so page 89. So 150 pages of this stupid thing. Let's get back to page 89, 76, 83, 90. Almost there. 89. I love modern technology. So this is where it gets funny. (laughs) This is a section titled Significant Encouragement and Coercion. So what the plaintiffs are alleging uh, is that they were suppressed. Uh, and I'm alleging exactly the same thing. I was suppressed, too, for all those nine reasons that I just mentioned, because I've done all of them. <laughs> so, you know, that's why we're so suppressed here. But we'll break through just a matter of time. Uh, so those so the government, had, you know, the defendants, in other words, the Brandon insurrection, direction uh, came back with their their claims, too. So anyway, so this is, how, this is how the rules work. So Judge Doty, he basically explains the rules, how things work. Then he gives evidence, you know, for for his claim. Uh, And then he uh, writes, you know, what is his order or what his judgment is. He's actually very good about this, even though I think he's made some some huge mistakes in terms of standing. But we'll talk about that another time uh, or later on today. Page 89 of the Doty Court case, significant encouragement and coercion. He says to determine whether plaintiffs, those are the good guys, are substantially likely to succeed on the merits of their First Amendment free speech claim. In other words, you have to prove that you're going to win before you before they take the case. That's just dumb. Then it says, plaintiffs must prove that the federal defendants, that would be the government of, of Brandon, either exercised coercive power or exercised such significant encouragement that the private party's choice must be deemed to be that of the government. In other words, the federal government, you know, told social media what to do, and all this, well, they said, well, they just made these choices independently. We just provided them the information. Yeah, that's BS. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, what this is is the um, is case of, of coercion. And what's interesting, again, is the amount, I had no idea, this is why this case is so significant, is the amount of departments and agencies that have their own social media teams specifically to make sure that the government propaganda gets out there and nothing else does. This is probably the biggest revelation for me. I had no idea. Um, But the judge found it and he's documented it, but no one's talking about it except, of course, right here. He says, plaintiffs must prove that the federal defendants either exercise coercive power or exercise such significant encouragement. <laughs> wait, wait, how would you characterize significant encouragement? <laughs> anyway, that the private parties, that would be social media, uh, choice must be deemed to be that of the government. In addition, plaintiffs must prove the speech suppressed was, quote, protected speech. He talks about well-known exceptions, and this is where I disagree with him, but I'm not going to, I want to get more of the, the actual case. He says, the court, after examining the facts, has determined that some of the defendants Either exercised coercive power or provided significant encouragement, which means they're guilty on both counts, right? Which resulted in the possible suppression of plaintiff speech. Possible suppression. Well, I I know I've been suppressed because I can see the results on on the shows and on the on the Facebook posts and the, the amount of restrictions I have I got screenshots of all my restrictions, so I, I've documented everything. You know, I know we're suppressed hugely. no this isn't possible. It's, it's definite. Anyway. But uh, I, didn't, I didn't get on this case. So he says the state. this is that is the government can be held responsible for a private decision only when it has exercised coercive power or has provided such quote significant encouragement, <laughs> whatever that means, right? Either overt or covert. Ooh, that the choice must be deemed to be that of the state. In other words, if the state did anything to to help. Uh, or, or so, such that the uh, the choice of social media was the state's choice, they're guilty, state's guilty. He says, mere approval or acquiescence in the actions of a private party is not sufficient to hold the state responsible for those actions. And they cite a bunch of cases. He says, in evaluating significant encouragement, a state may not induce, encourage, or promote private persons to accomplish what it is, it is constitutionally forbidden to accomplish. So in other words, the, the state, and this is critical to understand, the state cannot encourage or promote private persons or companies to do what the state cannot do themselves. So another, and this is, this is how they do it. This is, it's called a workaround, which, which really means a, a criminal action. All right. So let's, let's, let's be blunt here. So what the state does, in other words, the Brandon insurrection, because they cannot violate the first amendment themselves, they get social media to violate forum for them by coercing or extorting social media by telling them what to do and threatening somehow Uh, with investigations, with lack of money, with lack of access, whatever they threaten with. It doesn't matter. Swearing at them. (laughs) They did that too. So that's how they do it. Additionally, when the government has so involved itself in the private party's conduct, it cannot claim the conduct occurred as a result of private choice. Yeah. Uh, And and again, you look at the amount of government departments that are involved in social media propaganda regulation. It's not an accident. It's it's a concerted uh, effort. It is a, a, well, let's put it bluntly, a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy to, because they didn't want this known, right? So conspiracy is what evil people do when they, you know, two or more people conspire to do something illegal. This is illegal. So this actually is a real conspiracy, or as we call them, ongoing investigations. So it says, uh, cannot claim the conduct of the trust Further, and there's more, oral or written statements made by public officials could give rise to a valid First Amendment claim, where the comments of a government official can reasonably be interpreted as intimidating that some form of adverse regulatory action see this is the they hold the regulations over them right uh how about a failure for a broadcast license uh that'd be uh, something they could hold over them um they could say well we're gonna we're gonna send your your company to the irs we're gonna do a full audit on you that would be uh intimidation and coercion and extortion right so this is regulatory action will follow the failure to accede to the official's request. So, oh, the N R A case here. Anyway, says so additionally, a public official's threat to stifle protected speech is actionable under the First Amendment and can be enjoined even if the threat turns out to be empty. So there you go. So uh, it's actionable. So uh, public threats. Yeah, there you go. The defendants argue, this is the Brandon Insurrection argues, that the significant encouragement test for the government action has been in- interpreted to require a higher standard since the Supreme Court's ruling in Blum v. Yaretsky. So they are, this is the government. They make excuses as well. It's, it's, uh, it's not significant encouragement. It's just, you know, moderate encouragement. So it doesn't qualify. So they weasel word everything, right? So the defendants also argue that plaintiffs, are unable to meet a test to show defendants significantly encouraged social media platforms to suppress free speech. Well, the fact that social media platforms did suppress free speech, you know, shows that uh, the government uh, had uh, made them do it. Because Now, could they have done it on their own? I suppose. They didn't. They had the power to under Section 230. But if, it's, if the government has all these departments specifically to, to communicate with social media, to meet with them, to talk to them, to regulate what is, appears on social media, that's pretty pretty good evidence that they, they're the ones behind it. Huh, plaintiffs failed to show, then the government said, defendants further maintained plaintiffs failed to show coercion <laughs> by defendants to force social media companies suppress uh, protected free speech. Defendants also argue, this is Brandon, Brandon also argues they made no threats but rather sought to persuade the social media companies. We didn't threaten the social media companies, which is illegal. We just thought to persuade the social media companies. Well, you know, one one man's meat is another man's poison. One man's threat is another man's, you know, suggestion. (laughs) Oh, here we go. So Markovsky provided me with a website, which I'll check after the show. Let me just copy this down here. Live chat disappears after the show. And besides, I get busy. So I don't do things when I think about them. A lot of times they don't get done, which is not good. So let's go this here. Let's put this up under my my section where I have stuff. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I, I know where to put these things. Let's go. <clears throat>
0: Excuse
1: me. I'm vamping again. Talking way too much, too. <laughs> Hopefully. Oh, there's two of them. He's got two ones. Dutch News and NL Times. That'd be Netherlands. Probably Netherlands Times. All right. Back to the court case. Uh, there's more. And, again, I'm, I'm hoping um, Jonathan joins us because, again, I don't like talking for two hours by myself. I'm sure you don't like it either. All right, let's get back to the court case. What are we got now? Page. Yeah, okay, so I'm, I'm going to skip this. I'm going to skip now down, down a little bit here. Let's get to page 93. This is where it gets interesting again. Bottom page 93. All right, now, the plaintiffs, the good guys. The defendants is Brandon. The plaintiffs are the people suppressed. So that would include, should have included me. He says the plaintiffs, this is Judge Doty, the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits on their claim that the United States government, through the White House and numerous federal agencies, get that? He he says it right out here in the court case, through the White House and numerous federal agencies uh, pressured and encouraged social media companies to suppress free speech. Pretty blatant statement, right? Pretty pretty bold. He says defendants use meetings and communications with social media companies to pressure those companies to take down, reduce, and suppress the free speech of American citizens. We've had all those things. I've had stuff taken down. I've had stuff reduced. I've had my audience reduced. I've been put lower in the news feed. I've been restricted for 30 days, which turns into 90 days. I've had, uh, I'll do the same post on three different of my groups, and they'll give me a 30-day suspension for each one, but they're they're consecutive. So I get a 30-day suspension, and then somewhere on the 28th day, they, they suspend the next time the same post appeared in a group, give me another 30 days, and about 28 days into that, they give me the third one. So I, they actually turn a 30-day suspension into 90 days. Uh, that's, been, that's been going on for years, right? <clears throat> and then it says, take down, reduce, and suppress the free speech for Americans. Well, that, yeah, I just went over that. Jody says, Judge Jody says they flagged posts and provided information on the type of posts they wanted suppressed. Hmm, no kidding. They also they, uh, community standards. This is where the community standards. You violated our community standards. In other words, the government told me to take the, your post down. <laughs> That's what that means. This is. They also followed up with directives to the social media companies to provide them with information as to action the company uh, action the company had taken with regard to the flag post. So I'm sure that what they told me to take down or report, or, or get rid of. In other words, when they, they disabled our Dr. Zelenko Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse, I'm sure that was reported to the federal government. I can't imagine I don't have a huge file in the Brandon insurrection. Seeing as every single day, about 30 times a day, I call it the Brandon insurrection. <laughs> so I get it. You know, uh, That's why we don't have a million listeners. And it says the seemingly unrelenting pressure by defendants, the government, had the intended result of suppressing millions of protected free speech postings by American citizens. Yeah, some of them are mine. In response to defendants' arguments, the court points out that this case has much more government involvement than any of the cases cited by the defendants. Yeah, no kidding. As clearly indicated by the extensive facts detailed above, which I'm not going to go into, but you can read the court case yourself. He says, if there were ever a case where the significant encouragement theory should apply, this is it. (laughs) This is the judge, right? He says what what is really telling is that virtually all of the free speech suppressed was conservative free speech. Let me say that again. This is this is this is really this is this is what we'll make, this is one of the critical statements. All right. So I keep uh, I'm making a little pauses to check uh, live chat um, just to see if anything comes in while I'm talking. Let me say that again. Uh, what is really telling is that virtually all of the free speech suppressed was quote conservative free speech what a dink, huh how did that happen how did the Brandon's insurrection only suppress conservative free speech so in other words liberal free speech got a free reign in fact in many cases you think that liberal free speech was the only free speech out there you look at you do a search uh, search on on um, the 2020 election was stolen the first hundred posts will be the 2020 election was not stolen guarantee it go ahead try it yeah, let me see what the results. Just put in the 2020 election was stolen in your search engine. And I guarantee you the first hundred responses, or at least the, almost all of them, will be that the, the 2020 election was not stolen. That's, that's it. That's right there. That's suppression of free speech. Because the states that say it was stolen are either way at the bottom or not even post. That's how it works. Then the judge says, using the 2016 election and the COVID-19 pandemic, the government apparently engaged in a massive effort Massive effort. This is pretty big words here, right? To suppress disfavored conservative speech. Again, that would be us at Action Radio. He says the targeting of conservative speech indicates that defendants may have engaged in viewpoint discrimination. Okay, this is a new term for me. Viewpoint discrimination. And this is to which strict scrutiny applies. Says Shaman und Schuster, as uh, Rush Limbaugh used to say. Viewpoint discrimination. So in other words, the, the, the government is suppressing the viewpoints they don't. Have. And promoting the viewpoints they do want. All right. That's as bad as suppressing speech, you know, promoting, you know, viewpoint discrimination. Apparently, that's a a thing. I never heard of it. He says, then, in addition to the significant encouragement theory, the government may also be held responsible for private conduct. If the government exercises coercive power over the private party in question. Here, defendants argue not, that not only must there be coercion, but the coercion must be targeted at specific actions that harmed plaintiffs. Okay, this, uh, well, if you weren't harmed by uh, free speech suppression, then uh, there's no case. Well, just the fact that free, spe- free speech is, is restricted in any way, that's harm. That's harm right there. I know it's harm for my show. I mean, a lot of harm. All the things I could have said and uh, try to get out there. Uh, let's see what else. I want to find skip. So where's my next skip here? 95. White House defendants. Uh, and it says the defendants further argue, they never quite quit, right, that they only made requests for the social media companies. Uh, so they only made requests to the social media companies, and that the decision to modify or suppress content was each social media company's independent decision. So in other words, what the, what the government's argument is, well, uh, yeah, we have contact with uh, social media companies, and uh, yes, well, we might have uh, threatened some regulatory action against them, but any choice they made regarding information that we didn't want was, was purely their independent decision. That's BS. <laughs> Let me answer this again. This, this, case, this case is so incredible. It's such an incredible decision. Like I say, I hope I'm not boring you all. Uh, this is probably the last day, especially if Jonathan 's not here at the top of the hour. He says the defendants further argued they only made requests to the social med- they only made requests to the social media companies, and that the decision to modify or suppress content was each social media company 's independent decision. However, the judge says, when a state has so involved itself in the private party 's conduct, it cannot claim the conduct occurred as a result of private choice, even if the private party would have acted independently. Then he says, therefore, the question is not what decision the social company, media company would have made, but whether the government so involved itself in the private party's conduct that the decision is essentially that of the government. So the government so involved, uh, just by being that involved, makes the, the, whatever decision they made irrelevant. It's still, it's, still, it says, uh, it's still essentially the government, the social media company is essentially making the government's decision as they want it. And this is as exhaustively listed above defendants significantly encouraged the social media companies to such extent that the decisions should be deemed to be the decisions of the government. And that's that's key right there. So because the government was involved and the government has enforcement power and all kinds of powers, that it doesn't matter what the social media companies did. The government was so involved that the actions of the social media companies was what the government wanted. Now we get to some defendants. (laughs) Page 95. White House defendants. And this is I'm going to skip over this part pretty quickly, um, just in case. It uh, says the plaintiffs allege that use of emails, public and private messages, public and private meetings, and other means, White House defendants, that's Brandon's apparatchiks, have, quote, significantly encouraged and coerced social media platforms to suppress protective free speech on their platforms. I'm going to skip down here because they've got evidence of things these people said. All right. This is explicit threats are an obvious form of coercion. This is what the judge says. But not all coercion need be explicit. He says the following illustrative specific actions by defendants, in other words, Brandon and his apparatchiks, are examples of coercion exercised by the White House defendants. Okay. He's, got, he's got like <coughs> 20 or 30 of them here. I'm not going to read them all. <coughs> Besides that, my voice is already starting to go. Um, I must have talked a lot yesterday. I work out another part-time job on Sundays. All right. White House defendants, one of them said, and he's got footnotes, so we know who, they, who said this, but I'll just, point, I'll just read a few of these. White House defendants said, cannot stress the degree to which this needs to be resolved immediately. Please remove this account immediately. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty direct, right? Another person said to social media from the government, accused Facebook of causing political violence by failing to censor false COVID-19 claims. Political violence. Oh, my God. If you don't say the vaccine is safe and effective, that's political violence. Then it says you are hiding the ball, another example. Another example, internally, we have been considering our options on what to do about it. Another example, I care mostly about what actions and changes you are making to ensure you're not making our country's vaccine hesitancy problem worse. Another example, this is exactly why, This is. these are real quotes that were sent to social media and emails and, you know, texts and other communications, right? Another one, this is exactly why I want to know what reduction, if it looks like. If reduction means pumping our most vaccine-hesitant audience with Tucker Carlson saying it does not work, then I'm not sure it's a reduction. Another one, questioning how the Tucker Carlson video has been demoted since there were 40,000 shares. In a nation of 330 million, they're worried about 40,000 people. Yeah, I guess they are. Another one, wanting to know why Alex Benson Berenson has not been kicked off Twitter, because Berenson was the epicenter of disinformation that radiated outward to the persuadable public. Persuadable public, is that who we are now? Uh, well, at we think the government does. If they, they view us as persuadable, then I guess they think only they can persuade us, right? That goes to that original claim I was making that these people are, are psychopaths because they think they always know what's right, they are always right, and therefore they can tell us what's right, even though they can't. Further quote, same, same quote, we want to make sure YouTube has a handle on vaccine hesitancy and is working towards making the problem better noted that vaccine hesitancy was a concern. That is shared by the highest, and I mean the highest levels of the White House. That would be Barack Obama. <laughs> okay, There's more of these, but you get the idea. They just keep going. There's like two pages of these things. There's another page. It never stops. So the big concern, vaccine hesitancy, that's interesting. That's people's skepticism on the vaccine. Well, we've got to get rid of that. So not only do they have to push the vaccine, they have to push the fact that uh, you can't question it. Because then they say you're, you're hesitant. In other words, normal people will take the vaccine because that's the right thing to do, even though it's not. But people who are hesitant are messing around with the system. This, to me, is amazing. So let's get down to page 101, Surgeon General Defendants. <laughs> I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll come back to these um, very, very quickly go through. Like I say, Jonathan might be here, or he might not, but... Uh, I need to drink a whole bunch of water right now. So 758. Let's go 758. And take break. Break, 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 break. Play a couple more commercials. And then I'll be uh, back. I played my book. Played that one. No, that one. Ah, here we go. Okay. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. And, of course, we are looking for sponsors, so please feel free. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60-second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener, and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis, the webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. All right, back to the news. So let's go quickly through the various defendants. And the reason I'm going to do this, not to read every last little thing, but to show you just how widespread and how many departments were involved in suppressing free speech uh, from, some, from all these different parts of the federal government. So what I really want to know, I don't know if, this, don't know if anybody ever asked this, is that was it like a central clearinghouse? Was it like a social media task force? So i me put a little, little question for myself. Social... I mean, was there a coordinator, social media czar, or coordinator, or coordinator? So is there one person that all these other people reported to? Probably Obama. Susan Rice, one of those folks. We'll see. Page 101 of the court case. Surgeon General Defenders. Plaintiffs allege that Surgeon General Murphy and his office engaged in a pressure campaign parallel to, and often overlapping with, White House defendants. Oh, see, I told you, they were a team, right? The White House campaign directed uh, at social media platforms. As his plaintiffs further allege, the Surgeon General defendants, in other words, the government defendants, engaged in numerous meetings and communications with social media companies to have those companies suppress alleged alleged disinformation and misinformation posted on their platforms. Uh, That would be us when we had the... uh, Dr. Zelenko, Action Radio, Coronavirus Clearinghouse, disabled. We broke the story on ivermectin about three months before I heard it anywhere else. Now, I was a little skeptical myself. I said, what is ivermectin? You know, because I thought hydroxychloroquine, that's the drug, right? You know, we got the cure. Then these people said, no, no, ivermectin, it's really good. So I asked Dr. Zelenko, you know, uh, is this stuff really good? He said, yeah, it's good. Okay. Well, let's have more posts on it. That's we have all these posts uh, on it. So you can't find it anymore, The, 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 the Action Radio, you know, Coronavirus Clearinghouse because Facebook got rid of it. But we had, we had Dr. Zelenko actually talking to people directly, you know, in Facebook messages, on, on his messenger. I mean, I, I, I would message him questions. He'd get back. I'd post them. He'd uh, put information on our post directly. And this was, was, was the most incredible thing back in 2020, up through 2021. April of 2021, I think, was our last post um, before they got rid of us. Well, I mean, the, 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 the jabs were out, and we, we weren't saying good things about the jabs, <laughs> you know, so, so they got rid of us. So that's, that's probably the biggest evidence um, of the suppression, plus all the screenshots I have of all the times I was restricted. There's one that was hysterical. They, I got a, a restriction, um, 30-day suspension of my account because I post uh, an Israeli physicist who actually had the gall to say that the sun is really the cause of climate change, not carbon dioxide. And then, of course, the idiots over in social media, over at Facebook, said, well, that's not true. Carbon dioxide is is the source of climate change, which everybody knows who studies it. That's nonsense. CO2 actually increases. It does increase in the atmosphere, which is a good thing, when the atmosphere gets warmer. But it gets warmer first, and then there's more CO2. Why? Because the oceans hold most of the CO2, and when the oceans are colder, they can hold more CO2. It's denser. When the planet warms up and the oceans warm up, the, the, the oceans you know, let their CO2 go. So the planet warms first, and then there's more CO2. It's not the other way around. There's not more CO2, and then the planet warms. See, that's the big myth. It's part of the big myth here. Anyway, back to the article, the surgeon, the, the court case. The Surgeon General uh, defendants argue that the Surgeon General's role is primarily to draw attention to public health matters affecting the nation. Um, okay. The Surgeon General took two official actions in 2021 and 2022. In July 2021, the Surgeon General issued a Surgeon General's advisory. Of course, that's not binding, but... People did thought it was. This is March 2022. The Surgeon General issued a request for information. Surgeon General defendants argue that the Surgeon General's advisory did not require social media companies to censor information or make changes in their policies. Yeah, that's what they say now. Surgeon General defendants further assert that the RFI, the, the uh, what was that second request for information, was voluntary and did not require social media companies to answer. Yeah. So the government says, well, they say what? Tax taxes are voluntary compliance, right? <laughs> but you go to jail if you don't do it. All right, so that's how that works. All right, so so you get the idea. There's a lot of things here. So the Surgeon Generals were in on it too. Who else is in on it? So let's go to page 106. The FBI. More defendants. The FBI. Plaintiffs allege that the FBI defendants also suppress free, free speech on social media platforms with the FBI and the FBI's FITF playing a key role in censorship efforts. What the hell is that? Federal uh, – probably the Federal Information Task Force. See, I knew there was one. I, maybe I read this already and I, I, I said, I bet you that's FIT. I'm going to write that down. So let's go FITF from the FBI. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the smoking gun. So the plaintiffs alleged that uh, these folks play critical roles. This is an opposition. Defendants assert that the FBI defendants specific job duties relate to foreign influence operations, including attempts by foreign governments to influence U.S. elections. That would be Russia, Russia, Russia. Based on alleged foreign interference from the 2016 presidential election that didn't exist, the FBI defendants argued that through their meetings and emails with social media companies who they probably should never talk to. Actually, this is the thing. They shouldn't be talking to these people, right? Unless they're under investigation. Uh, it says that uh, they were attempting to prevent foreign influence in the 2020 presidential election, what, like, unlike Hillary Clinton's you know, uh, Clinton Foundation. And it says the FBI defendants deny any attempt to suppress or change social media companies. Well, of course they deny it. They also deny that there are FBI operatives at January 6th, although we know that's true. <laughs> anyway, so those are the FBI defendants. Next one. CISA, C-I-S-A, page 109. 109, 109. called oh, that's 109. These are the mystery people, right? These people are so secret. I don't even know who they are. It says plaintiffs alleged the CISA defendants serve as a nerve center for federal censorship efforts. Oh, there we go. Maybe these are the folks that, that coordinate the whole thing. By meeting routinely, routinely, with social media platforms to increase censorship of speech disfavored by federal officials by acting as a switchboard to route disinformation concerns to social media platforms. Okay, so these are the folks behind it. That's the Center for Intelligent Something or Other. CISA, we're going to have to look them up and, 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 and investigate this, uh, um, this further. I'll just do a couple things here. Yep. Here we go. Plaintiffs, the good guys, plaintiffs, allege the CISA defendants serve as a nerve center, that's in quotes, nerve center, for federal censorship efforts. You know, that in itself is disgusting. They, have to, they can even say that. Federal censorship efforts by meeting routinely. And it's disgusting that the, the federal government has censorship efforts, right, which is illegal. This is by meeting routinely with social media platforms to increase censorship of speech, disfavored by federal officials, and by acting as a switchboard to route disinformation concerns to social media platforms. Switchboard. It says in response, the CISA defendants maintain the CISA had a mandate to coordinate with federal and non-federal entities to carry out cybersecurity. Oh, that's what they are. Cybersecurity and critical infrastructure activities. Oh, we're, we're just safeguarding the public you know, by by feeding all this BS out, right? SAISA previously designated election infrastructure as a critical infrastructure subsector. SAISA also collaborates. Isn't that Chris Klebb, the guy that said, or Krebs, the guy that said the 2020 election was the 16 election? uh, No, the 2020 election was the most secure election ever. I think it gets the same group. SISA coordinates with the EISGCC, which is comprised of state, local, and federal government departments and agencies. Oh, wow. Think of the local and state governments involved in this little cabal as well. <laughs> EISCC is comprised of owners or operators with significant business or operations in U.S. election infrastructure systems or services. Would that be voting machines? After the 2020 election, the EISCC and the EISGCC, okay, now I'm getting lost, <laughs> launched a joint management mis-disinformation group to coordinate election infrastructure security efforts. The of defendants argue the SISA, Supports the Joint Managing mis- Disinformation Group, but does not coordinate with the IAP or the CIS. Huh? Despite DHS providing financial assistance to the CIS through a series of cooperative agreement awards managed by CISA. So they're all paying each other off. <laughs> the Department of Homeland Security is paying off the CISA to do what they do. CISA defendants assert, are you guys getting lost with all this? This is fascinating. But it shows how deep this goes. So the intelli- once we start talking about the intelligence, then it gets really weird. But uh, it just and there's more. There's more. There's probably one of the worst scripts. I have to look through this one separately. (sighs) I found this not joining us. Page one thirteen. State Department. (laughs) Your State Department, right? You know those nice folks that run the uh, the embassies and the consulates and get your passport. Well, that's being delayed these days now. Do good work allegedly. There, there are diplomats. They stop wars because they're diplomats. State Department, page one thirteen, item five. Plaintiffs alleged the State Department defendants. Clearly, was <laughs> later on right So the State Department. GEC. Oh God, there's another one. We're also involved in suppressing protected free speech on social media platforms. What the hell is the State Department doing this for? Well, probably Ukraine, right? Or maybe Afghanistan, saying there wasn't a surrender, even though it was a surrender. Yeah, it probably got me flagged too. This is in response. The State Department defendants argue that they, along with the GEC, play a critical role in coordinating the U.S. government efforts to respond to foreign influence. I thought they were just—I thought the federal government took foreign influence like China. Anyway, it says the State Department's the State Department defendants argued that they did not buy specific content for social media companies and did not give the company any directives. Oh, sure they didn't. State Department defendants also argued that they do not coordinate with work with or work with the EIP or CIS. Of course they do. The court finds the plaintiffs are also likely to succeed on the merits regarding their First Amendment free speech clause against the State Department defendants. Bingo. <laughs> it just keeps going. Uh, oh, let's get to page 117. This is where it really starts to get funny. How, does it, uh, how can I be? Let me tell you. Page 117. Other arguments. While not admitting any fault in the suppression of free speech, defendants Blame the Russians, <laughs> COVID-19, and capitalism for any suppression of free speech by social media companies. Russia, Russia, Russia. They never they, they, they never give up. They never give up. They, they, they're insane. This is irrational. This is stupid. This is ridiculous. He says, well, not admitting any fault in the suppression of free speech, even though they did it, right? Defendants, and that's the branded insurrection and apparatchiks. Blame the Russians, COVID-19, and capitalism for any suppression of free speech by social media companies. Capitalism is involved. The free market system. That's why social media did exactly what we told them to do. It's capitalism. (laughs) This is why it's funny, right? Defendants argue the Russian social media postings prior to the 2016 presidential election. Anybody see any, any Russian media postings? I mean, just anybody. Did anybody read Russian social media? I actually did. I looked at Pravda and, and uh, Izvestia, and, and what's the other big one in Russia? There's like three of them. Pravda, which means truth, so it's the opposite. Izvestia, I forgot what that is. Pravda, and there's there's one more. There's other social. There's other news source from Russia. I forgot what it is. I'll think of it. I'll I'll, I'll check my my Action Radio International page. It's probably there somewhere. It defendants argue Russian social media postings prior to the 2016 presidential election caused social media companies to change the rules with regard to alleged misinformation. Why do they have rules with regard to alleged misinformation? <laughs> That's another question, right? This is the defendants argue the federal government promoted necessary and responsible actions to protect public health, safety and security when confronted by a deadly pandemic and hostile foreign assaults on critical election infrastructure. Let me see if I can translate that for you. Brandon and the apparatchiks argue the federal government said it was necessary to give you basically information that will get you killed regarding COVID. Uh, and, uh, and they refused to – and they, they blocked any information that told you what you already knew, that the election was stolen. That's pretty much what they're saying here. Then it says, the, the court the judge says they further contend the COVID-19 pandemic resulted in social media companies changing their rules in order to fight related disinformation. So what is this fight for disinformation? The way you fight disinformation, as we all talked about, is you, is you have information. The opposite of, of, of disinformation is information. Right? So the only way to get around, so if someone thinks they're posting disinformation, what they're bound, they're bound morally and ethically to do is to post information. Tell us the right information. Well, they never did. So this is how you know that their disinformation is true, because rather than, rather than just say, no, that's wrong and here's why, which is what a normal person or a government entity would do, they, they get rid of anything that goes against what they say, because what they say is criminal. It's just like the vaccines. In order to get authorization for their COVID jabs, they had to take cures and make them illegal so they could take their illegal vaccine and make it legal. Same thing here. They had to take information that proved them wrong, get rid of it so they could give the false information that they think proved them right. It's all backwards. It's it's mirror image. It's um, you know, through the looking glass. Everything is backwards. George Orwell. Freedom of slavery. Uh, ignorance is strength. And there's three of them. Freedom of slavery, ignorance is strength. And I've forgotten the third one. I'll think of it. Those are those are the three sayings. War is peace. <laughs> so George Orwell said in nineteen eighty four he said the three the three mottoes of our of our world. War is peace, freedom is slavery, and ignorance is strength. <laughs> and that's well I think too, the idiocracy. Well the idiocracy of Brandon. You know, the one thing the one thing they've done was with, with diversity. I should this is kind of an interesting point too. I'll put this into a show as well, diversity. Diversity of intelligence. Hopefully I'll have more people tomorrow to talk to. <laughs> Can't wait for Dorothy at the top of the hour. Anyway, diversity of intelligence. What does that mean? Well, that means to counter all the bright people in government, there are bright people in government, you know, some of them are honest, most of them are crooked, but they're bright people. To counter the bright people in government, they brought in total idiots. Buttigieg, Judge Jackson, Brandon the Moron. Uh, you look at virtually anybody in government, Granby, Granold, whatever name is it, uh, Energy. Um, Blinken, the Chinese cooper- the Chinese, the CCP operative, uh, along with Brandon. <laughs> They're really stupid people. So they, they've 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 made a, a diversity of, of of intelligence a priority at the Brandon Insurrection. This is fascinating. Uh, okay, I don't care sure what the defendants argue. That's not really the point. Although the COVID nineteen pandemic was a terrible strategy. Tragedy. Plaintiffs, the good guys, assert that it is still not a reason to lessen civil liberties guaranteed by our Constitution. This is where the judge is wrong. They can't lessen civil liberties guaranteed by our Constitution. Constitution is always in force. Constitution has no on, on an off switch, as Pianki says. Constitution has no limitations. Then the fact that the government, a lesser government subordinate to the Constitution, says that in the public interest, with strict scrutiny and a compelling state interest, they can limit our rights. That's BS. That's not true. They can't. They do it, and they use that as a rationation, but, but legally they can't do it. Here's a quote. If human nature and history teaches anything, it is that civil liberties face grave risks when governments proclaim indefinite states of emergency. And this is why I said that the, the, the balanced budget amendment will never work. People say, well, oh, Greg, your you're, you're, you're ban on uh, you know Congress borrowing money that's too strict. That's too severe. What if we have a war? Well, what if we have a war? What, you think, uh, you think if China launches missiles against us and they'll be here in 20 minutes, Congress is going to meet and borrow money? That's, that's, that's insane. Or, or the other one, well, what about uh, national emergency? They have to be able to borrow money for a national emergency. Name one national emergency you have to borrow money for. COVID could have been cured under normal circumstances in about three months with hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. Zinc, vitamin D3, vitamin C. There was no pandemic. So there was no need to borrow $7 trillion. They did that on their own. The government borrowed $7 trillion because they wanted to. They put mandates and lockdowns and closed everything, including the schools, because they wanted to. Not because they had to. There's no reason to. COVID was never that big a deal anyway. To 99.9% of the population did just fine had maybe moderate symptoms. Like I, I would say I had light to moderate symptoms of COVID, probably close to the lighter side. I had a nasty cough for two weeks and I couldn't sleep uh, except sitting up. Couldn't lie down. That pretty much was the extent of it. And I felt kind of worn out and tired. Two days of rest, three more days of taking it easy. I was fine. No medicine, no nothing, just recovered. Well, that's an inconvenience, but it's not, it's not a, you know, I wasn't a death door, <laughs> you know, like uh, people were. And actually, uh, you know, I'm just glad that uh, I didn't get sick enough to want to go to the hospital because that would have killed me, most likely. That's what they do, remdesivir, ventilator, death march. They can get you to the hospital by denying early treatment. They can get you on the death march. So that's what they do. They deny early treatments. Oh, uh, Don't come to the hospital until you're really sick near death. That way we can put, it on a, put you on a ventilator and kill you. That was the protocol. <laughs> you know. And just saying that would be enough to get me suppressed by, by Brandon and insurrection. Said it anyway. Don't care. All right. There's another little paragraph here, then I'm going to get to the next uh, section. There's another argument of the defendants is that the previous administration, that would be Trump, took the same action. Oh, yeah, that's the other excuse. So it's either um, COVID-19, it's either capitalism, the Russians, or Trump's at fault. <laughs> it's like the same old thing. This says, although the sw- – George says this – although the switchboarding by SISA started in 2018, there's no indication or evidence yet produced in this litigation that the Trump administration had anything to do with it. Of course not. See, there were two so – see, when Trump was in power, people don't understand this. There was the deep state and there was the Trump administration. There was the Trump administration and those people at the top, his cabinet, doing the right thing, helping the country out, energy, foreign policy, economy, everything, doing a great job. And then there was the deep state. That was everybody under the top people. They were totally trying to subvert him. We're we're going to social media. We're coordinating stuff. We're paying people off. We're we're doing all kinds of things, suppressing everything he did, refusing to uh, enact policies. That's the the, the Peter Strzok, you know, those kind of people. Strzok, Page, you know, all those people below that were sabotaging Trump. So that was the second government. So we had two governments. We had the government for Trump and the government against Trump. And the for Trump were outnumbered by the against Trump by a lot. All right. I don't know if I'll read that issue. Actually, this is kind of important now that I think about it. So many of these things are important. It's crazy. Defendants argue, that's the government, that a preliminary injunction, in other words, what the judge did, would restrict defendants, that's the government's, rights to government speech. Government has no right to government speech. Oh, sure, they can say things, but it's not a right because governments don't have rights. So... I'll argue with the judge on that. He says it's the right to government speech and would transform government speech into government action whenever the government comments on the public policy matters. The court finds, however, <laughs> that they were wrong, right? That a preliminary injunction here would not prohibit government speech. The traditional test used to differentiate government speech from private speech discusses three factors. And I'm not going to go into that. Then it gets boring. All right, moving on. Standing. I think I beat Standing to death. Let me see if there's anything here. Yeah, the one thing I would say, I'm going to skip the whole standing section, the one thing I would say about this um, is that I think it's going to be very important for us to look into whether the Supreme Court itself should have to prove standing by showing in the Constitution where the federal government has the power to be involved in that particular area. They have no constitutional provision governing health or education or energy or environment, none of them. So how could they take those cases? Well, it would have to be a constitutional issue of some kind, even if it's related to that. But if they prove that, that's fine. You know, in other words, if they have a case of, um, well, say free speech, and it happens to be in the area of education, that someone in education has their free speech right, rights violated, they couldn't take the case because it was education because the government has no jurisdiction there. But they could take the case in free speech because that's First Amendment, and they do have jurisdiction there. So that's the kind of thing we have to prove. So we're going to explore this further. It's interesting concept. All right. Um, page 142. We're going to skip a big amount of stuff here because I don't care about the standing. Big, big, big skip. 142. I actually might just get this done. They might just play you fun things between now and when Diane gets here. 142. Yeah, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. Uh, it, it's tough to go through it just because – oh, Pianki said exactly. Pianki, what did you say exactly too? <laughs> He's He just did... <laughs> – Bianchi is on live chat, so if, you, if you're not on live chat, you wouldn't get it. But Bianchi just said exactly. I think I know what it was, probably the Supreme Court, but uh, we'll find out in a minute. Bianchi, you got 35 minutes before uh, Dorothy gets here, and then I'm going to talk to her. So if you want to get down the time. All right, let me see if I get a little bit more here. So let's get to 142. Page 142, what was I going to comment here? Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> this is what the judge says. He says, although the COVID nineteen pandemic is no longer an emergency, it is not imaginary or speculative to believe that in the in the event of any other real or perceived emergency event, real or perceived. (laughs) See, see, the COVID nineteen pandemic was perceived because it wasn't real, because we have cures for it. Well, if you have a cure for a pandemic, then you don't have a pandemic, right? He says, although I love this, although the COVID nineteen pandemic is no longer an emergency, it never was. It is not imaginary or speculative to believe that in the event of any other real or perceived emergency event, the defendants, that's Brandon, would once again use their power over social media companies to suppress alternative views. This is critical. I'm going to talk about this for a couple of minutes here. Read it again. Although the COVID-19 pandemic is no longer an emergency, it is not imaginary or speculative to believe. In other words, the government would, in the event of any other real or perceived emergency threat, or generated for the purposes of, of increasing government power. Let's add that in there. The defendants, in other words, Brandon and the apparatchiks, would once again, in other words, he said they already, by saying once again, he's saying that they did it the first time. That's why the injunction is here, so they can't talk to social media. He says the defendants would once again use their power over social media. So not only does he say they, they already did, he's already admitting, that he's already confirming that they have power over social media. The government does. This is why it's such a fascinating statement, right? So he said, once again, use their power over social media companies to suppress alternative views. In other words, views that differ from the government. So in simple language, what he's saying is the government would do it all again for either a real or perceived emergency, they would suppress free speech as much as they did the last time. That's a fascinating statement. I bet you that you didn't hear that in the news. Then he says, and it is certainly not imaginary or speculative to predict, those are keywords for government tests, by the way, is not certainly, and it is certainly not imaginary or speculative to predict that defendants could use their power over millions of people to suppress alternative views or moderate content, in other words, censor it, they do not agree with in the upcoming 2024 national election. So what he's saying is there's every reason to believe that because they did suppress free speech in both COVID and the election and every other area that they, that they were suppressing free speech, there's no reason to believe that they wouldn't do it again in the 2024 election. And I agree. That's absolutely key to this. Why it wasn't in the news, I don't know. It is here. Then he says that oral arguments defendants were not able to state that the switchboarding and other election activities of the SISA defendants and the State Department defendants would not resume prior to the upcoming 2024 election. In fact, Chan is one of those FBI guys testified post-2020. We've never stopped. I believe they've still never stopped. I believe there's still suppression going on. Why? Because nothing's changed on my sites. I'm gaining about one Twitter follower per year. That's how suppressed I am. One per year. I've gained three in the last three years. Before that I had thousands. I think on Facebook. I had thousands and thousands of views of every show I did back when we were two hours before COVID. Now I don't I hardly get any. So nothing's changed. This injunction's been issued, but I guarantee you the policies have not changed. The government is still doing exactly what they did before, and this judge is not in a position to police that. But he could hold them in contempt if he finds out they've done it. And I guarantee you, those the, those plaintiffs are watching for things. So if I see any other restriction on my account after this injunction, I'll be saving it. So far, they haven't got it. Let me. Let me uh, should I check Facebook now? <laughs> Don't have it yet. But uh, well, do, if I put Facebook on, it kind of ruins my memory and the show degrades a little bit. Huh? This is fascinating. At oral arguments, defendants were not able to state that. This, okay, I already said that. They've never stopped. Notably, a draft copy of DHS, that's Department of Homeland Security, Quadrennial Homeland Security Review, which outlines the department's strategy and priorities in upcoming years, states that the department plans to target inaccurate information on a wide range of topics. So the Department of Homeland Security, that is not a defendant in this case, has already admitted in their draft copy that they're going to join. They're going to join the the misinformation, you know, conspiracy, and uh, they're going to take stuff they don't like and get it out of social media which shows you the power of social media, right? That it says on a wide range of topics, including the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is our government. Uh, it is because our government through uh, Dr. Fascis, funded uh, gain-of-function research in Wuhan. That's the origin of the pandemic. Plus, uh, what's his name at uh, University of North Carolina? Daszak. That's the origin of COVID-19. Plus Moderna that was formed in uh, 2010 to create messenger RNA vaccines for a company that doesn't normally do that. <laughs> but Moderna means modern RNA. That's what it means. So it was, it was specifically, I think they made the vaccine before they made the virus. I mean, it shows on that too. Anyway, it says, including the Orange the vaccine patent. Oh, here we go. This is interesting. Uh, let me just get this out here. It says the Department of Homeland Security's Quadrennial Homeland Security Review, what's that, four times a year? Which outlines the department's strategy and priorities in upcoming years, maybe it's every four years, States that the department plans to target inaccurate information, in quotation marks, on a wide range of topics, including, are you ready? The origins of the COVID-19 pandemic, the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines, <laughs> yeah, safe and effective, my ass. Racial justice. There's a new one. The U.S. withdrawal, you mean surrender, from Afghanistan, and the return of U.S. support of Ukraine. So the Department of Homeland Security plans to have a, a, an entire illegal Misinformation Department looking into the origins of COVID-19, the vaccines, racial justice, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was a surrender, and the return of U.S. support from Ukraine. So Ukraine, Afghanistan, COVID, a couple of things on COVID. Unbelievable. All right, let's just go, skip down. What's my next section? 142, 144, 144, 144. equitable factors. So here's another test. I'm not quite sure about this one. Equitable factors and the public interest. He says, thus far, plaintiffs have satisfied the first two elements to obtain a preliminary injunction. The final two elements they must satisfy are the threatened harm outweighs any harm that may result to the federal defense. All right, I'm going to skip that part. Let's go class action. They don't like class action. Let's get to to the conclusion. Skip to the chase, Greg. People are getting bored. Again, I find this fascinating. I'm sorry. All right, conclusion. And here's a quote. Harry S. Truman. Once a government is committed to the principle of silencing the voice of opposition, it has only one place to go, and that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. Yep, that's about right. Harry Truman got it right. That's exactly what they've done. Judge says the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits establishing that the government has used its power to silence the opposition. Well, not completely. We're still here at Action Radio. It's kind of hard to silence me. I don't, I don't silence easily. He says opposition um, to COVID-19 vaccines, opposition to COVID-19 masks and lockdowns, opposition to the lab leak theory, opposition to the validity of the 2020 election, opposition to uh, Brandon's policies, statements that the Hunter laptop was true, opposition to policies of the government officials in power, all were suppressed. I know. They've all suppressed my statements on all those things. He says it is quite telling that each example or category of suppressed speech was conservative in nature. Let me say that again. This is key. It is quite, this is where you get viewpoint discrimination, right? That's where that term came from. He says it is quite telling that each example or category of suppressed speech was conservative in nature. This targeted suppression of conservative ideas is a perfect example, uh, here we go, A viewpoint discrimination of political speech. American citizens have the right to engage in free debate about the significant issues affecting the country. It's probably why I created the show. He says, although this case is still relatively young, oh, my God, (laughs) and at this stage, the court is only examining it in terms of plaintiff's likelihood of success on the merits, the evidence produced thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario. Dystopian is the opposite of of utopian. It's bad. (laughs) It's really bad. Let me look it up here. I'm going to get you a good definition of dystopian. It's it's, it's one of those words people use all the time. I don't think they know what it means. I made a Facebook post earlier. Uh, next time some leftist says, that's an existential threat. Ask them what existential means. But well, they probably don't know. Dystopian. And if they don't know, say, so well, I, I'm come you're using a word you don't know? Dystopian. Adjective. Relating to or, det- or denoting, not detonating, denoting, an imagined state or society where there is great suffering or injustice. The dystopian future of a society bereft of reason. Well, we're there now. The utopian dream that became a dystopian nightmare. Ooh. An imagined state or society where there is great suffering or injustice. Yeah, that's the opposite of utopia. I I would just call it brand insurrection dystopian. Oh, it's got a noun too. They actually use English language here on my my web dictionary. A person who imagines or foresees a state or society where there is great suffering or injustice. Kind of same thing. So I don't use that word. It, it doesn't have a real clear meaning. Hmm. Back to the quotes. Although this case is still relatively young, and at this stage, the court is only examining it in terms of the plaintiff's likelihood of success, the evidence produced thus far depicts an almost as so, There we go. During the COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, well, I would call it mass psychosis, actually, he says the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian Ministry of Truth. That is a huge condemnation. Think about that. This judge just said Brandon's government is Orwellian and has a Ministry of Truth determining exactly. I write down Minist, Orwell Ministry of Truth. I'm gonna look that up. Let's see how bad it was. You know she talked? You know, I, ah, I need to get Tina Terry back on the show. Orwell Ministry of Truth. Remember the place where they had, they removed words from the English language? Some words were too big. In fact, they, they removed the ability to express yourself by removing words. Instead of having good, greater, greatest, best, all those different qualities for great, magnificent, they would say, zone one word, good. And if it's twice as good, it's double good. You know, or if it's just better than good, it's, it's, it's plus good. So it's plus good, double good, double plus good, double, double, double plus good. You know, so there are no 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 other, uh, They removed all the other words because you didn't need them, right? That's what I thought. Well, if you remove words, you remove expression. If you remove expression, you remove ideas. You remove the ability to to uh, to, to clarify and have multiple concepts and fascinating different directions and uh, you know distill things down to their essence because you've taken away all the words. That's the Orwellian nightmare. Ministry of Truth is just the opposite. It's the propaganda ministry. See, so remember in Orwell, in Orwell, everything's backwards, right? So the Ministry of Truth does everything but tell the truth. In fact, they, they force tell lies on everybody. That's the whole point. That's why the sentence is so incredible, by a judge who says, during the COVID-19 pandemic, which we know wasn't a pandemic, again, Ministry of Truth, right? A period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, what I call a mass psychosis, the United States, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian Ministry of Truth. Then he says, the plaintiffs have presented substantial evidence in support of their claims that they were the victims of a far-reaching and widespread censorship campaign. That would be a conspiracy, Judge. <laughs> this court finds, this is back to the judge. He says, this court finds that they are likely to succeed on the merits of their First Amendment free speech claim against the defendants. In other words, Brandon's going to lose this one. He says therefore a preliminary injunction should issue immediately against the defendants as set out herein. The plaintiff's motion for a preliminary injunction is granted in part and denied in part. What they denied was the class action, which is too bad. He should have granted that too. Is the plaintiff's request to certify this matter as a class action pursuant to the is denied. Preliminary injunction is granted. Terry A. Doty, United States District Judge. On this day, the 4th of July, 2023, in Monroe, Louisiana. Isn't this great? I don't know why he denied the class action. I mean, there's a bunch of evidence. I don't want to go into that. That's just crazy stuff, too much stuff. But this is what he said. He said, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) So that's the injunction. That's the case. That's the whole thing. That the, the, uh, the Ministry of Truth, the Orwellian Brandon government, cannot talk to social media companies, at all, you know, while this case is going on. Now, we know they are. Well, how are they? That's the question. All right. I got about double mint gum. <laughs> Thanks, Piagi, He's from the live chat, right? The court has no standing where they don't have standing. Yeah, that's true. Nina Jankowitz, Yeah, she's the, uh, Marco just put that, in. Nina Jankowitz, Yeah, she's the one that uh, wanted to be the Ministry of Truth person. Okay, I got about 20 minutes. What can I play in 20 minutes? Maybe I'll play something I haven't played for. I got, I got a choice here. Um, gentlemen, do you want it? we've got 20 minutes. Uh, I got Matt Gates' last interview. That was 12 minutes. That's where he talked about approving our bill for the mandatory uh, censorship uh, question on the census. We've got, uh, one second, let's see here. It's real short, too. I've got, which I played probably too many times, uh, and that's uh, Walter Williams. That one's a, that one's a long one. Where's my Walter Williams interview? I won't play that one again. Yeah, that's about 24 minutes. That's too long. I've got my stand down from Benghazi. That's 16 minutes. That one might be perfect, actually. You guys remember that stand down? Remember Benghazi? Uh, We actually had college to WBY. So this was September 13th of 2017. Uh, Not that Benghazi was five years earlier on uh, 2012. Or was it 2011? I think it was 2012. It was was like the 10 years after uh, 9-11. 15 It was pretty interesting. i am playing that one for a while. I play that one. So this was a classic interview where people actually called in from the service talking about the real stand-down order. So I'm going to play that for you now because I can It's fun. I've had enough talking. Um, back in about 16 minutes. I definitely want to get into this story right here. There's a lot of news breaking around Benghazi, which is one of the most disgusting and disturbing Incidents because I believe it was entirely preventable. It was a total screw up by the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton at state. Uh, whether it was intentional or just incompetent, I'm not sure. But there's definitely criminal negligence involved. And so there's a lot of things happening. Breaking. Uh, Fox News has a big exclusive story on that. Uh, the big reporters, Catherine Herridge, Pamela Brown, and Sid Upson, have uh, published a big report, and it's it is fascinating. So apparently, these two guys, Brad Owens and, and Jerry Torres, uh, are now talking. Uh, about all the things that happened. They were pressured by the State Department not to talk. They, they tried to get a position there uh, to be the security force in Benghazi. They were turned down. They had this little company in Wales that nobody's ever heard of, try and do it, probably their buds. They didn't even have guns. You know, The security force didn't have guns, so they, they go from the security force to greeters at that point pretty much. So they couldn't stop a terrorist attack. And then that whole thing about the video. Um, I remember doing some research on that right when it came out because I was curious how many views they had. And I don't know if you can do that now, but I think you could do it then. You could check back uh, on the history of a video and see how many uh, views there were. And if I remember, um, either I did this or someone else or I found it somewhere, but I seem to remember there were only about 150 views of that video in the days before uh, the Benghazi attack, the alleged video that supposedly caused the Muslim world to revolt and attack our, our, our folks at Benghazi. And so, uh, yeah, not a really popular thing. Now, that story has gone. That's been scrubbed from the web. I haven't seen that one for for years, but it uh, seems to me I remember that's what, Very, very few views. So they, they found this obscure video. And, and I wonder if that guy's still in jail, so I'll have to look that up. The guy that made the video. I said, well, you're responsible for Benghazi. No, he's not. He made a video. Get over it. All right. Let's get into some of the details on this. And if you have Benghazi uh, information stories, especially we have such a strong military area, uh, if you know, I mean no, of a stand-down order that was given, or if you know Uh, of particular orders that kept uh, any kind of uh, military away from uh, uh, the Benghazi um, embassy there, then uh, I'd be curious about that. I think it was a consulate, actually. Um, But, uh, yeah, let's get into some of the stories here. So security of the State Department's, uh, this is the Fox News story, State Department's Benghazi compound was so bad that another contractor was brought in to clean up the mess just two weeks before the 2012 attack. Uh, And they were later pressured to keep quiet by a government bureaucrat uh, under then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Let's see if I can find her name. Her name is down here somewhere. I should get to that in just a bit. Here we go. Jan Vizentainer. I don't know who this Jan Vizentainer is, but anyway, she's the one who said, uh, uh, State Department contracting officer, uh, basically said, uh, don't talk to the media. <laughs> so she's going to be real hot water too, so we're going to find out what's going on with that. Anyway, um, so get back to more details. Brad Owens and Jerry Torres. Uh, they, they have a company called Torres Advanced Enterprise Solutions. Uh, and they were pressured to stay quiet uh, and get on the, quote, same page as the State Department uh, with regard to the security lapses that led to uh, the deaths of our, of our four fellow Americans in Benghazi. And so my question is, why are they waiting so long to talk? Why didn't they do this in the hearings? Why didn't they do this... Um you know in uh, at any time pre- why did they do this before the election? What were they waiting for? Why come out now? I mean, this is information we needed years ago, and now they're talking I'm glad they're talking, but why are they just talking now? Let's get to uh, some uh, calls here uh Jeremy you're on go ahead
2: Hi. Um, you asked earlier if uh, somebody um, from the military had any information about stand down orders, and I actually do okay um, when Benghazi took place, I was actually stationed in Korea.
0: Hmm. Um,
2: as an intelligence collector. And uh, I was able to read some of the reports on some of the events that happened um, in and around Benghazi during that time. And um, <clears throat> uh, leading up to Benghazi, Hillary Clinton um, at the State Department had been um, sent requests from the Ambassador Stevens for additional security, which her office denied. <clears throat>
0: um,
2: now, once the attack actually started taking place, she was uninvolved um, at the time. What happened was uh, the U.S. Army uh, General, his name was Carter Ham, um, was the uh, commander of AFRICOM, which is the African Command. Okay. And um, he was actually he actually requested what is called cross border authority (CBA) from President Obama. Now, President Obama is the only person in the U.S. government who can grant cross-border authority. Cross-border authority is required for any and all U.S. military personnel to cross any nation's sovereign border um, for a military operation. So he needed cross-border authority in order to send the special forces soldiers across the Mediterranean Sea into Libya. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, was this from source? Italy? Was this from Italy they were stationed?
2: Um, I believe that uh, the ones that were taking off, um, now I'm having a hard time. It may have been actually in Sigonella, which is in Italy. Yes.
1: Okay. i think Aviano um, Airfield comes to mind.
2: Right. And uh, so um, cross-border authority was requested. Cross-border authority was denied. Um, General Ham... Persist reports that I saw with my own eyes, uh, he was temporarily relieved of his command at that moment.
3: Oh.
2: Command transferred to his second-in-command, and the denial order for cross-border authority was then given to the second-in-command. So the Special Forces soldiers that were ready to take off in the Blackhawk and the Chinook helicopters uh, stayed grounded. Um, until the event was over, at which time General Carter Ham was reinstated as the general uh, the four-star um, commanding general of AFRICOM, um, and that is basically why there there never was a rescue mission launched at all.
1: Okay, so they was, so th- he was relieved of his command during that operation. I'm just trying to make, sort of recap for everybody so we understand this, and right. so he he couldn't have ordered uh a rescue now, the number two person were they you know kind of i don't know was it the 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 obama yes man kind of thing or were they just you know were well, they not independent he or what happened uh,
2: he, he probably wasn't an obama yes man but at the I mean at the time uh the second in command i mean the the point had already been proven okay that uh basically they were that that they had to disobey um an order from the commander in chief in order to get this off the ground, which wasn't going to, it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: at
2: that point, the, the point had been proven.
1: Here's the difficult question. At what point do you disobey? Because the, um, the, the guys that went in to save them, the, you know, uh, Tyron Woods and, oh, I have to look at the other person's name. I, I'll, I'll get it. But they disobeyed orders.
2: Right. Um, you know, part of me is the surprise that the, uh, the pilots didn't take off anyway. Okay, um, but uh, there, there's a lot of moving pieces that go into military operations like that, mm-hmm. and, uh, and as quickly as special operations soldiers and the uh, helicopter pilots can move, um, you know, it's it, there, there's a lot of logistics that goes into carrying out orders. But likewise, there would be there would be even more required disobey an order and actually launch that uh launch that operation and uh you'd be losing some of your support that you would that you would have necessary um
1: oh if it goes wrong too if it goes right you're a hero if it goes wrong you disobeyed a presidential order now you're what court-martialed i mean it's just yeah
2: exactly uh, plus um it's very it's very difficult to, to take um an operation like that and lose your um your constant flow of information in the middle of it right uh, that, that's something that could have happened but but these reports about the cross-border authority being denied um, I saw these reports with my own eyes um, went back to look them up again uh, probably at least a year later and uh, they weren't there they weren't accessible to me anymore um, and, so, and I had I had a, a top-secret security clearance but it's you know it can go above that it can be corrupt. Um and, and these weren't classified this wasn't classified information at all, anyway. Oh, interesting. It was, uh, easily accessible at that moment.
1: Okay. Huh. This is fascinating. I really appreciate your call. Anything else to add?
2: Uh, no. Um. Actually, uh, now that you're talking about now that there's breaking news, I'm gonna. I, I wrote everything um, that I just told you. Um, I actually published everything on my own blog, and I'm gonna probably go dig that up and republish it so that it can be. Um, the most recent blog entry that I've got. Okay. Um,
1: Do you want to give the but, name of uh, your blog? We can all take a look.
2: Uh, yeah, it's um, www.freeamericannational.blogspot.com. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be digging that out and uh, republishing that. But uh, it tells all about cross border authority, who's um, able to give that, how it's requested, um, and how
0: it was denied in the case of Benghazi attack.
1: Well, I remember that too because that was one of the excuses the Obama administration said, well, we don't we don't have permission to go into to Libya. We can't even overfly them and we can't do anything. And if you're saying the cross-border authority can be done by the president, then that was a lie then.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He given the cross-border authority, mm-hmm. just like he gave the cross-border authority that we used to destabilize and ultimately kill Muammar Gaddafi. Yeah, he was giving cross-border authority to destabilize Libya and turn it into a terrorist safe haven, but he was unwilling to give cross-border authority to our special forces soldiers on the tarmac in Sigonella to go and rescue our boys at Benghazi.
1: Well, this is this is a socialist leftist mindset. The group matters; the individual doesn't. And so right. this, this if you look at it in, in terms of, of that, you know, this is how they, they, people don't matter. This is why the individuals don't matter in health care. Individuals don't matter in all kinds of different, different areas. Individual hostages don't matter. How many people were held hostage during the Obama administration that never got rescued in different countries around the world, including that student who was in North Korea who only came back a week before he died?
2: Right. He was, he was definitely abused, and, and we left him behind. Um, you know, there, there's stories um, from ancient Rome. hmm that actually say that um, that it was safe for a Roman to walk alone in foreign lands because people knew that if you harmed a Roman, that the entire Roman Empire was going to come after you. And once upon a time, it was the same way for an American. Americans were looked up to. Americans were revered. Americans were respected. And it's not that way anymore. And that is not a reflection on the American people. It is a reflection on the people that we have allowed to represent us.
1: That goes back to the Carter administration with the Iran hostage crisis. Yeah. Exactly. I can let you go. Uh, we got to take a break. Right. i got another caller. Uh, Jeremy, thanks so much for calling. Thank you. Here we go. All right. 848 here at 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida Stock Radio. Greg Penglis here. I'll be right back.
0: It's not unusual. We're
1: talking about Benghazi here. going over the fact that uh, Fox News has a news story about uh, these people who are finally telling the truth that the information was suppressed, that they didn't talk about how incompetent these people were in the government and how they've been told to keep their mouth shut. And that's why we had no good information in the Benghazi hearings. You know, none of this stuff has come out like it should have. The people that died in Benghazi, just to recap, because I I didn't uh, know I was going to be going into this in this detail, but I want to talk about this. Uh, Ambassador Chris Stevens. Okay, Uh, Foreign Service Information Officer Sean Smith and the CIA contractors Tyrone Woods and and Glenn Doherty died uh, at Benghazi. Hey, Jeff.
3: Hey, Greg. Just so you know, Sigonello and um, Aviano did have assets on the flight lines ready to go. They were told to stand down.
1: Do you have uh, details on that?
3: At the same time, there was a Marine Expeditionary Force in the Mediterranean, and, and I don't know if you know what assets they have, but they have fixed wing and everything, and mm-hmm. they also have special forces, and they were told to stand down also. Wow.
1: Now, is there that, any, I don't know, are these orders, do they exist somewhere? Are they classified? Uh, are they? In, uh, does Congress have them? Do you know the, state, uh, the status of these uh, stand-down orders?
3: All I can say is from people that I served with and people I'm still in contact with, after I retired, yeah. um, have told me this, and they couldn't believe it either.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing. I mean, I don't want to reveal classified information that's going to endanger our country. On the other hand, I don't want to let people get away with, with issuing orders like this that allow our people to die, because that's not who we are as Americans. So I'm kind of conflicted you know, when I ask these questions. Well, well um, there's
3: the conflict. They, they kept saying the, uh, Italy was too far, but there was an exp- expeditionary force in the MED that had aircraft ready to go, and they have the assets with special forces to go in and do that.
1: Don't we have a carrier group in the Mediterranean, or what do we well, have? Well,
3: well, an expeditionary force is usually related with a carrier group, MAGTAF. Okay. And um, the expeditionary force is uh, usually three ships that have all the Marines and their assets. Well, you know, one's a flat top, and the other are transports. Okay. And we, that's what I did. That's what I did. I worked in the Landing Force Operations Center and yep. the Combat Information Center. Wow. We, we were ready to go at a minute's notice.
1: So, how did you hear about that um, when, when it was going on? Were, were, were people listening to news reports? Was there intelligence coming out? Uh, what was like the? How did that whole system work? You know, once that attack started.
3: Wow. A lot of it was hush, hush, and nobody's going to talk about
1: it. Oh, so the, those are the best questions, though. <laughs> that's why I ask, you know, because I'm just curious. Well, okay, well, that that's was, fine. No, it, I understand it, if you can't answer it, it but I mean, believe me. Well, no, I, I, just,
3: there was a lot of people that basically knew what was going on. Yeah. The troops knew what was going on, but oh, wow. you can't do nothing. Yeah. What, what are Marines trained for? <laughs> I mean,
0: not that we're uh, warmongers. Or no, of
1: course not. No, but rescuing American citizens is has got to be one of the top priorities of, of any uh, military unit or, or service branch. Right. Yeah.
3: All right. I just wanted to pass that information on also.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Bye. Right, here we go. All right. We have the best sources out here. <laughs> this is why I love living in a military area, because we get the information. We only have a little bit of time left. I think I have one more uh caller that wants to try and get on, but they're only going to have just a few seconds. We might uh, try it another time. Anyway, Adag, um, do you think this... Uh, we'll see what's going on. Anyway, but this is what's going on in Benghazi, and this is why I ask these questions, because, you know, and this is a conflict. I don't want to give away secrets, but I want to know. I want to know what is going on, uh, because we need to find out, you know, where our government is screwing up, and we don't need to wait 75 years to find out however long security information is classified. That's not how it works. Um, okay, anyway... Um, so just to sum up, uh, this story is going to grow. And the two people, like I said, that are speaking now, uh, and they were on Tucker Carlson last night, uh, Brad Owens and Jerry Torres. And what they said, let's see if I can get you the, a quick little thing here, the bureaucrats and policies remain in the State Department after the Benghazi attack despite the change in administrations. A U.S. ambassador is dead, and nobody is held accountable for it, and three guys all tried, died trying to defend him. So the people that Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. So that's how it was back in 2017 at WBY, And the beauty of that show was that I had such amazing contacts. And everybody listened live. I mean, it was a live show, uh, so we had thousands of people listening live. So I had these great resources. Here, uh, 90% of the people listen on podcasts, so they can't call in. So I can't get that immediate response that we're able to get back. There. And that's why that was such a valuable show. Pianchi, you got about two minutes before... Uh, Dorothy he gets here. What's uh, what do you think so? No,
4: far? the same thing. A like thing happened in Afghanistan when. Yeah, tell me about it. They had they had the soldier had the the bomber, mm-hmm. the suicide bomber in the sights, and was waiting to get on an order to fire. He never got it. Thus, the bomb went off and blowed up your Marines and so on, so on, so on.
1: Yeah, but there's such so many scripts in that thing, and it's interesting. You know, when you think about, I was listening to uh, they're talking about the commissions and reports. I mean, the Durham Commission. I just uh, one American News was playing uh, the hearing, and that was a total cover up. Durham covered up everything for four years and reported basically nothing. Uh, Joseph Misud, the the, the the mystery guy. Uh, I going to see if I can find him online. <laughs> I'm going to do a little bit of search myself. Yeah, and see you what, got what, a
0: see
4: suicide it, bomber you know. in your sights. He's getting ready right. to get close kill enough him. to take out some innocent
1: American, and you're supposed mm-hmm. to kill him. Anyway, well, why can they act you? independently? Uh, you know what? How? How? Which you know, machine of command? Yeah.
4: Of yeah. You're right. At least you would have saved some lives, even if you did get court-martialed.
1: And who would court martial somebody under that? That would be a whole other story. It'd be a little embarrassing, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like this, uh, you know. I mean, people they they don't want to risk. They don't want to go because there might be things that they don't know about. <clears throat> I mean, you, you see, that's the problem. And I've never been in the military, so I don't know how this works. But the psychology is, you follow orders, and, and the reason you don't. Yeah, act we independently... bring the charges
4: up on Obama.
1: Uh, oh well, there's a lot of charges can okay. be brought up on Obama. Well, what about the whole thing we we're just talking about with? Um, with this court case. And I, I spent three days going over it. I'm sure the only one that would, would spend that much time going over. But didn't you find I mean, these arguments? I mean, he just really spells it out of the government case of how bad Brandon was and it just many departments and departments within departments that had their own social media teams working with all the different, you know, uh, from the State Department to the SISA, this, this election thing, to uh, to the CDC, to the, the FBI, to Brandon's own departments, to DHS, all these people they had their own social media people within yeah, the government.
4: and, you know, he made mention about Gaddafi. You had uh, Wasserman Schultz uh, and her encouraging of Clinton to get Obama to do what he did and plan out the demise of Omar Gaddafi. So, yes, all these things are, are pertinent. They need to be brought out. Some people's heads need to roll.
1: Well, it's just interesting, the anyway, with, I, you know, the things that we don't know. You know, that that, that it's just, the government has a pattern of suppressing information, of lying, you know, and I think that they're just so well-practiced in it. Um, that they just keep doing it. And this, this, the, you know, talking now that they, they went to the, the, the government went to uh, the judge and said, well, it's, it's COVID, you know, uh, it's uh, vaccine hesitancy. It's, uh, it's the Russians, it's capitalism. It's all this other stuff I read. So what? what you, you people are morons. <laughs> if you think anybody's going to believe that, but yet they still pull out these same old things yeah, over and over
4: again. By calling this true a conspiracy.
1: Well, yeah, that's why I've renamed conspiracy theory. Uh, we call it an ongoing investigation now. But, that, but, but yeah. the fact that the government suppressed social media is not conspiracy theory. I mean, the judge, I spent three days on that case, laid out example after example. And there's a lot of things I didn't read. You know, he's got quotes. There was like three pages of quotes that I could have gone over of all the ways the government said And some of them were dropping F-bombs, saying you better effing do this or else. You know, those kind of things are in there. It's in the court case. I should do. I'll, uh, I should probably put it on well, social okay. media. I'll put on my page all the, the the guide to the court case. You know, with all my pages of where yeah. everything is. do let you that. get to your other guests. I got. Some She's not here yet. You, you got. You got until she gets here. So, but she, Dorothy's going to be here. But well, what
4: about in, uh, this too. other thing where the court says that the states don't have exclusive control over the election, whereas the Constitution specifically says they do.
1: Yes. They're lying. They're simply lying. You know, and they believe they're propaganda. They believe because they said it, it's right. I didn't do an article on this, but these people are psychopaths because they're so convinced of their self-righteousness yeah. that anything they say must be true. Anything that they say is true must be law. And anything they say is law, they can act on. I mean, they, they go through this really bizarre mental gyration of, of what, they, what they say and do. It's really kind of scary because they actually believe this crap. But, uh, yeah, no, in fact, we we covered this on the show a couple of days, that they call it the the independent state – they call it the myth of the independent state legislature theory or something like that. I pick on the exact terminology. It's not a myth. It's in the Constitution. State legislatures control the elections. So when they denied the Trump electors, when the states, the Democrat states, the battleground states blocked Trump electors from voting or being counted, or being sent to to Washington, and when they blocked him from coming to Washington, when Mike Pence blocked the Trump electors from being counted during January 6th, that was an insurrection. That was a coup. That was that was essentially the coup, because the coup had, had to block the Trump electors, otherwise Trump would be, would be in there right now. So they had to illegally block Trump to illegally put Brandon in the White House. That's the coup. That's the whole thing in one sentence.
4: Well, that needs to be brought up if Pence ever gets to a debate because well, he no, disregarded not you in Constitution at that point in time. And it it, be it's clearly. Yeah. No, you can't get no more clearly than what's stated in that article. It's Article 1, I think, Section 4 I'm from the
1: mistake. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think so, too. The thing is, it, it doesn't matter how clearly it's stated. You've got a Supreme Court that thinks that they can determine standing for everybody else, but not for themselves. You've got you know, government bureaucrats that think that they can—they're—they're—they're they're, they're the masters of speech. What they 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 can approve of what speech is. This whole idea of the ministry of truth—we we know what the truth is. You don't. We'll tell you what the truth is. That's, you know, I want to get Tina back. Tina. Well, Terry that's what uh, he's
4: talking about. You know, that's why the uh-huh. Democrats want to stack the court, put more like uh, more deviant thinking like that on the court. Why, if I yeah. say each state should appoint a judge, and the likelihood of that ever going over would be diminished much, much more. But that's food for thought.
1: Yeah. I don't have Dorothy yet. Uh, she should be here any minute now. But let me let me play. Let's play. I got a couple of things left to play. I
4: gotta, I got to get going. Yeah. I got to get my passport renewed so I can escape.
1: Oh, did you hear the delays in the passport uh, system right now? Yeah. Apply immediately. I've got a, I've got an article on that in my international news section. State Department's holding up. They're uh, I, I think they just don't want people traveling. It's all part of the, the restriction, the taking away of your rights. Passports the, the, the time to get a passport is much longer, so I would start now.
4: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, uh, good points you're making
1: as usual, and uh, carry on. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Get your passport. We got Dorothy here, so we're gonna we're going we, we're gonna move from law. And we're gonna talk about sex and sensuality. I just love saying that. Yes, it's Monday for politics and sex. That's what we do around here. All right. So uh, I've talked to Dorothy for, I think, a couple of weeks. So I I miss our chats when, uh, when she's not here. So let me just quickly find her theme. And there it is. And away we go. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with dorothy diana i am so glad you're here i've been oh
0: uh,
5: thank you that feels good <laughs>
1: <laughs> i've been heavily into
5: politics that feels good to hear verbal
1: affirmation yeah. i'm oh, glad that's true to be here. yeah i spent three Uh-oh. days talking about the the judge's case judge dodie's case uh against brandon i don't know why what that there is. was a oh this is a preliminary injunction so there's a court case that plaintiffs which should have been me in fact mm-hmm. i think i'm actually in one of the lawsuits uh is suing wow uh, the brandon insurrection for um, suppressing free speech and all the areas that mm. they uh, talk about where speech was suppressed, uh, I, I I made those exact same things. I'm just we'll just take a, a minute here to go over these. So what they're alleging? Mm-hmm. These are like uh, cherry and some of the other folks, the Great Barrington signers, all these these high monkey mucks that uh, should have included me, Children's Health Defense and all these folks. What they're alleging is that the, um, the Children's
5: Health Defense is part of it. Barrington is part of it. Okay, good. I know all this. Yep. Yeah. All the
1: good folks. I right? know about
5: all. I, these are my heroes.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, Action Radio, I think, is in there too. We're supposed to be part of Children's Self yes. Defense. I'm, I'm still trying to confirm that, but we should be a plaintiff to this. This is why I was, was hoping. See, the, the judge denied a class action lawsuit, so maybe we can't be included. But I, I drafted mm. a, a lawsuit uh, over two years ago uh, about this exact thing about the suppression because we've been suppressed since um, well, pretty much end of February, beginning of March, 2020. When we came out and said, "Up, oh, we got a cure for COVID. There is no pandemic. You know, the government's like, and all of a sudden, our numbers went like nothing. <laughs> you know? And, of course, you know, still, you post stuff from Action Radio. It doesn't go anywhere, right? So the injection no, it is not doesn't. being honored.
5: You're... All go of ahead. my posts I do about your show are blocked, and I do mm-hmm. a lot of different kinds of posts. I'm really not heavily political at all. I post right. about so many things, mostly women, happiness, inner, inner child wounding, feminine bliss. But if I post to tag my radio show on yours, nobody sees it.
1: Mhm. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's further evidence that the injunction that Dodie put on them July 4th is not being honored because they're still...
5: It's not still, being honored.
1: Uh, yeah. They're still going to social media. My they're friend, still blocking. Um,
5: mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, This is she's kind of a great poster, high roller, natural health, political, Nikki Norberg. So she's a good friend of mine. And she oh, yeah. was recently... She was shadow banned because she posted something about the trial. I guess it's um, a trial this week. Again, I'm not. But she said, I guess I'm back. Here I am. Y'all can see my post again. But no, it's absolutely, we're being
0: censored still, completely.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and this is something that uh, the judge is going to take notice. Wait a minute. I put an injunction on you. You couldn't talk to social media. They're still suppressing people. What's going on? So that's the next thing. I'll just go through the, there's like nine things. Are you making breakfast back there? I'm hearing noise.
5: Sorry. Yes, I stepped out for a second. I'm, I'm going back in my room now. My coffee okay. wasn't quite hot, and I just can't oh, do that. So like It has to be hot, not lukewarm. Okay, you know, I'm back oh, hey, listen, in I quiet agree. time. Mute
1: your, mute your phone for a second and just you know, go make breakfast. I don't care. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm not
5: making breakfast.
1: I want to talk about older
5: adults and sexuality after you, after you update me on the political going
1: on 30 more seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is, so there are nine things that the plaintiff sued on behalf of, and we've done every one of them. First one, suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, We talked Hunter Biden laptop as soon as it came out because it was funny. Number two, suppressing speech about the lab leak theory of COVID-19. That's the Wuhan lab. We had Bill Gertz Mm -hmm. the Washington times, February 25th of 2020. We were one of the first people to report it. Okay. Number three, Suppressing speech about the efficiency of masks and COVID-19 lockdowns. We've always said they were illegal from March of 2020, (laughs) okay? We said that they have those to preserve COVID and and not uh, to help people. So we're definitely there. Another one, number four, suppressing the speech about the efficiency of COVID-19 vaccines. We've never said they were safe and effective. I get public service announcements saying just the opposite. So that's us too. Number five, suppressing speech about election integrity. (laughs) There was no election integrity in 2020. We've been saying that. We had McInerney. The, the Air Force General that, that showed how they stole the election. He was on two weeks after the election. Uh, November, what, 20th of 2020? The election was November 3rd. Number six, suppressing speech about the security of voting by mail. There is no security of voting by mail. That's us too. Number seven, suppressing parody content about defendants. Oh, yeah, you want to hear some parody content? Ever played you my, my, my Biden parody? Let me show, let me show you parody. Uh, maybe it'll take 30 more seconds. Uh, this, is, this is quick, but it's funny. So this is this is this is I call this. I actually made this before the 2020 election. I call it Biden's dark winter. Joe Um, Biden's dark winter. No freedom. No liberty. No guns. No representation. No oil. No coal. No nuclear power. No space force. No Constitution. No family gatherings. No vacations. Just taxes. Work. Misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. <laughs> well, and
5: this is why you're banned. This is why you're banned. Oh, I mean... Oh yeah. The the public isn't allowed to get real information that gives them freedom. Does, that's like in a mm-hmm. nutshell. That ties together what I talk about, what you talk about. The, the the mainstream public isn't allowed to have information, and if they get the information, they're not allowed to believe it. And that's applied psychology at work, right? Um,
1: yeah,
5: that's going to make them free and happy, right? Wow.
1: Let me give you two more and mm-hmm. then we can uh, get into old people and sex. So the, the other ones were on the economy, which we've constantly said inflation started a year before they did. We'd be we broadcasting that. We have a, you know, we, we do a financial report Fridays. And the last one's pressing negative quotes about President Biden. We don't even call him President Biden. He's, he's Brandon. He's illegal Brandon and the I'm <laughs> yeah. Because I, I don't care. I'm just, I'll tell you the truth as I see it. I do not hold back.
5: So yeah. how about old people
1: and sex? Or unless you want to make a comment on
5: that. Well, you know, and this is interesting, even though, Uh even the term old, old, or the word old or older, you know, I was talking to my friend who's a pharmacist and she specializes in women's health
0: Uh and she's
5: local here. And when I kept saying older adults, I said, what does that even mean? Yeah, where do do you start to be older?
1: Isn't it relative?
5: Because menopause, perimenopause for women, you know, it can start younger, but generally Thirty-eight, I think, ten percent of people thirty-eight begin to have some symptoms, um, and menopause? then it increases. And menopause is, than- is pretty much over at the end of the sixties. But oh. um, but I don't know for women what means older. And so in terms of this conversation, I guess I'm talking about postmenopausal, really, because menopause comes with so many changes. And at the time, most women are having menopause. Most healthy, normal men are also having a bit of a decrease in testosterone, which culturally we're horrified by in the U.S., however, is not seen that way in other cultures. So we can talk about that a little. But, yeah, um, yeah in the 40s and 50s, there's a decrease in testosterone for men, mm-hmm. and that's pretty well known. And there's ways, very easy, very healthy, natural ways to increase that, which you and I have touched on
1: the show before. And um, I made a commercial about it and and you hated it. (laughs) Yeah.
5: If it's not, if it's not increased, it doesn't, I I don't want to say it doesn't matter if it's not increased. There are myriad ways a couple can enjoy very fulfilling sexual and sensual activity together, even more increased intimacy, because Mm -hmm. where God closes the door, he, she, don't get mad. I say it that way opens many windows sexually also. And in fact, it opens up a world that you may not have discovered had you had constant erect penis, vaginal penetrative sex, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that's what, what you are mostly doing. So it really opens the door This de- decrease in testosterone, um, decrease in estrogen. Um, there's a huge shift that happens. And if you can ride that wave and, mm-hmm. um, and not just survive but thrive during that time, I, couples are really – that come out on the other side are amazed how much closer they got and how much more fun their sex life actually is. That's real.
1: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. You mentioned the term perimenopause. What's that?
5: Yeah. Prior to, so when the first, um, and some women don't even know this is happening, but when the first hormonal shifts begin to occur and, you know, her menstruation cycle will begin to shift a little bit and, um, it will become closer together usually, Mm -hmm. and then begin to drift apart and skip months eventually. Um, And along with that goes a lot of other physical changes. Um, There can be decreased libido. There can be some vaginal dryness. Mm -hmm. Uh, There can be some mood swings and there can be,
1: yeah, I don't know about the mood swings, but there are products for the, you know, there are things out there for, for some of the symptoms.
3: There
5: are. And there's also nutrition. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of using what's, well, first of all, preventative, I'm a huge fan of prevent preventative wellness. Right. So mm-hmm. prior to your 30s, have a habit of already choosing foods high in um, so a lot of fruits and vegetables, lean meats. There mm-hmm. are many foods that support hormone health. Yeah. yeah, that you want to incorporate in your diet way before because they like flaxseed and chia and avocados there's so many yummy delicious foods which now for a lot of people are readily available I think ten years ago to go to a restaurant and have a you know avocado sprout salad was hard to do but now it's everywhere and the stores are getting a little more variety and more choices people can do online grocery delivery but you know these things are accessible um, thrive and Vitacost are both great great online sources for healthy foods and supplements um, but I, Perimenopause, so knowing and having good habits prior to, to going into menopause is hugely important for preventing symptoms that are so severe, now you're <laughs> going to an allopathic doctor looking for um, pharmaceuticals, which is what I prefer people avoid. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Well, if well, uh, you
5: have to, you have to, um, but you don't have to. Well, that's why, you know. Well, you don't okay, have well to yeah, in other words, way, if you wait too long.
1: If you make too long, you might have to. Well, you mentioned it. so perimenopause is around thirty eight. So this is why I've heard this before that women should really have kids, you know, before thirty five. Uh, that's the best time. And everyone's clock is different, right? Like so because so, they're the so, women having kids in, in early forties, right? I mean, it happens very um, so successfully,
5: a, and I think it yeah. really has to depend on health. In fact, it's the trend on the West Coast. Okay. So when I was on the West Coast, pregnant with my first, I was the baby. They were like, "Oh, you're so young! I was pregnant at 34. They said oh, oh, you're geez. so young, and most of my friends were were at least forty. These career women, and How many they did just fine. I, I did have. Hmm?
1: Do they have one usually at forty? If you have, if you over forty, I did, have, I did 40. have
5: one friend. One friend needed uh, IVF, but again, right. I do believe it comes down to. So, you know, I don't want to get too off topic, but we know that nutrition right. supplements and avoiding chemicals and toxins really is right. the key to aging very slowly. Or even anti-aging which i do think is possible and the same applies mm-hmm. to menopause um mm-hmm. you don't have to be in your 30s and perimenopause at all and again a little bit of, a little bit of its genetic, but most of it is lifestyle choices it looks like mm-hmm mm. interesting yeah but they did okay um, no they did fine in fact went on to have everyone i know went on to have one more at least one more Mm-hmm.
1: so this so there's a good percentage of women that can have you know two maybe more kids but certainly two kids you know, starting in their forties. That's, that's good for a lot of people to know.
5: Well, you know, my my kids, my kid's grandmother had, um, had her last at 50 surprise baby. This is very normal, like very not rare. So, yeah, one of the blessings of menopause is that, and then a lot of women who, a lot of women who have gone into menopause gracefully with, um, acceptance, and a good attitude about their health and sexuality in general, which is the key to thriving during menopause and everywhere else, um, <laughs> have said that the freedom of knowing that you can't get pregnant
0: is I
5: almost too delightful.
1: For guys too, I got news for you being 63, you know, and, and my age group um, to not have to, you know, worry about the breast control thing is mm-hmm. is is fabulously liberating um mm-hmm. it, it's it's all different dimensions so i remember back oh, this is, i remember like back in the personal ad days you know you'd read stuff you know it's like i'm 55 you know i was like 30 in my time so someone i was interested it's like i'm i'm postmenopausal. i can do it as much as i want you know and it's like really that's interesting something that's an interesting viewpoint but yeah so so this is a, a, a freeing thing. So you think of the younger folks. Younger folks, you've got, uh, especially in college, you've got STDs, you've got pregnancy, you've got all these things to do. You're young, you don't have your career yet, you don't have any money, you know, your, your life is crazy, things are changing, you know, you might change your majors, you know. I mean, there's all this different different stuff going on, and yet they're still having sex. So that's complicating. Well, then well, STDs, you, you so get older. I mean, you
5: know, we'll just touch on, obviously, there's still STDs, and so we had this big outbreak at the villages right. in Florida, which made the national news. Because they were having a lot of unprotected sex and swinging and being with many different partners, and Mm -hmm. um, so STDs obviously we still need to be aware of. And really, therapists, coaches, and and, and doctors of all kinds should be regularly educating um, single older adults about the risk of STDs. Because we're, you know, I think 30% of women over the age of 60 are having regular vaginal sex with orgasms. And, uh, the percentage of them. men is a little higher. Yeah. And, uh, I can't remember how many times a week, yeah, but if you're, you're, if you're monogamous, are
1: but... you know, at least monogamous sexually or monogamous in a relationship, you know, older, uh, that's just one less thing that you, you don't have to think about.
5: You know, yeah, the, exactly. The Prefi- thing. So, so find, see, if you're with one at person. any age to find you know, a partner, yeah, yeah. That a long-term partner yeah. is always a good choice versus <laughs> a lot of different yeah. partners. But, but For spiritual, energetic reasons to. as well as physical.
1: hmm Yeah. So, so, so the, some of the things have changed. So that's one thing you don't have to think about as much, you know, or at all. You know, postmenopausal. So, so pregnancy is off the table. You're monogamous. You're with a you know, person you trust. So the STD things, you know, kind of off the table. So then, you know, the other thing is, and so let the changes. Um, younger men, you know, maybe could do it more often, but they can't last as long. Older guys can do it as long as they want, <laughs> you know, so there's the, the, so there's some changes that aren't necessarily bad guys.
5: Well, so yeah, so I, this is a very cute quote. I thought you'd like this. Um, okay, go ahead. This is an Tell eight me. year old husband and his 75 year old wife. And this is his quote, what he says,
0: <laughs> Cradle this is
5: our healthy, our healthy, beautiful attitude that we want to hopefully support in everybody. My wife and I both believe that keeping active sexually delays the aging process. If we are troubled with an erection or lubrication, we turn to oral methods or masturbation of each other. We keep our inner interests alive by a great deal of caressing and fondling of each other. We feel it's much better to wear out than rust out. <laughs> and this is what they found. So Just, isn't say, that lovely? Did you,
1: say, did you say wear out or rust out?
5: it's much better to wear out than to rust out. So much better to get tired right there in the sack than to not be able to use it anymore because you're not using it, not, not have it usable anymore. That's
1: hysterical. Um, That's actually that optimistic. Wonderful? I'll, I'll, well, yeah, I'll have to get back to so it. Hopefully found we'll still is, be talking is, in my eighties, you know, so we'll, uh, I'll let you know.
0: <laughs> what they
5: found is um, a high correlation that even to the point, probably causation of, attitude towards sexuality and good communication with your intimate partner and right. um, a healthy active sex life way into the 80s and beyond even so so um, this there's... has been shown over and over again that the attitude your attitude about yourself your body and your attitude right. about sexuality um is the is the biggest correlator positive correlator to an active happy healthy sex life and um, that correlates very strongly to good physical and mental health as well. So the participants in studies that have better physical and mental health tend to have a really great sex life, <laughs> no
0: matter. So this what is interesting.
1: Age, so even through menopause, we're, right? So what are the two issues? You know, ED and, and lubrication. I guess are the big ones we're talking about with with hormones mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. However, if it sounds like well, if testosterone and estrogen decline naturally, uh, I read something that says like like. Uh, like two percent per year or something after forty, so it's not a it's not an immediate drop off. It's actually a very gradual decline. And but what it seems like is that if you can balance that with exercise, you know, rest, good nutrition, and we need to do a sex food list. <laughs> so we're gonna have Dr. and a sex food list. You know, list for you know, foods for better sex. You know, I mean oysters, mm-hmm. avocados. I mean, we'll just put whatever it is, anything with zinc in it for testosterone. You know, all that kind of good stuff. So we need, we need to. You should publish it, <laughs> but you better publish it because if, if it comes into action, no one's going to read it. <laughs> but, right. Um, but the thing is, so so the decline is natural. So hormones, we can't change that. We cannot change the fact that our hormones are going to decline with age. But what we can change, change is our attitude, our nutrition, our rest, our exercise, our outlook. You know, our activity. Uh, or activities you know, and uh and get a good you know, long term partner. You know, and so
5: obesity is one of the high strongest links to um severe menopause symptoms as well as declining testosterone and inability to function the way you'd like to sexually for men.
1: So so I'm trying to I'm like envisioning this uh you know sixty plus year old dude who's you know, maybe fifty to hundred pounds overweight He says, Well I better get my Viagra, that's the only way I can do it. I'm thinking you know, that's the, it's like the economy with inflation and interest rates. I call it the accelerator and brake theory. So you're standing on the accelerator, which in this case would be obesity. Uh, no, which would be, uh, I guess the obesity would be the brake. The accelerator would be the Viagra. So if you're taking Viagra because, you know, your, your ED issue, uh, and, but, you're, but the obesity is the brake. It's, it's just not going to make that Viagra that much effective. So you're trying to do, rather than just lose the weight and lose the Viagra, it seems like, like guys, and it's probably an equivalent for women, you know, whatever it would be. For me but, it just uh,
5: feels like a like a penis robot because if you're obese and you're not taking care of your body and you like to drink a lot and whatever else you're doing, you probably uh-huh. don't feel that great in general. I'm a very uh-huh. active person, full of life and happiness and energy. And I'll be honest, when I was on the dating apps for a short time and now was divorced, uh-huh. um recently in the past few years. Um, yep. it was interesting. I'm very fit. And so if someone would reach out to me and I could see that they weren't in good shape, I wouldn't ever entertain them. And my first thought was because, you know, our lifestyles aren't compatible. Like health is super important to me. Um, If you aren't keeping yourself in good physical shape, there's no way you're going to do those detox programs I love to do so we can age well together and go on the retreats, the juicing retreats with me. Like, and I want a partner that does that. But on top of that, sex is right. extremely important to me, um, mm-hmm. sex and compatibility and chemistry. And I don't want some tired, you know, blob who doesn't feel good about himself and isn't really, um, you know, putting his health first because I know the sexual problems that are going to come with that. And it's not just mm-hmm. a floppy penis, which I can deal with. A lot of women will deal with if There's a lot of willingness and creativity but mm-hmm. it kind of all goes together. the mental health, the um, insistence on a great physical feeling and physical health, it kind of goes together the psychological health and um, happiness sexually, and th- I feel like that all goes together, so it's not just the physical appearance, it's the whole package. Um, yep. so I would never entertain that as a partner because i have I feel like the information. Um, that's available dictates that's not a, a good choice. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I mean, I regularly do a 14-mile a bike ride, uh, hopefully once a week. <laughs> uh, and it's great. And if someone wants to, you know, meet me, uh, hey, let's go for a bike ride. You know, take a break at seven miles. Uh, and I have a wonderful trail here, which I ride, and uh, various times, afternoon, morning, depending what's going on, seasons, all that kind of stuff. But if someone wants to, to do something fun with me, yeah, let's, you know, but you're gonna be able to ride 14 miles. Now, I wouldn't pressure someone to go my speed, but I'm not the fastest person out there. You got some uh, in, uh, older folks, and I've seen you know 70 and 80 year olds just whiz on by me. They're thin, they're wiry. This is what they do. This is their thing, right? So they ride 100 miles a week. I don't, you know, but I'm still in pretty good shape, relatively. Uh, and it's fascinating. But to people that uh, you know can't even keep up with me, or, or don't have the energy to even do that, or even don't even have a bicycle, uh, wait a minute. So what do you do for exercise? Well, I, uh, I don't know. I just, you know, I just, you know whatever. It's like, okay, fine. Now we've got a problem. <laughs> now we've got an issue because I like to get out and do stuff. Kayaking, you know, I want to get into that. Uh, I've got just There's several things. So
5: many, there are so <laughs> many fun activities. And so one thing I really encourage women and of course men also, but I work with women, is to find exercise that you love. Find something that's super fun for you to do. It's uh-huh. hard for everyone to get up in the morning, put on the outfit and get out the door. But if you can do that, and find a group of like-minded people Um, I recommend for women, things that stir up feminine energy um, because that sinks you into a place of kind of heart centered realignment with your soul. Um, Mm -hmm. Not to get too off topic, but I find this really important, especially in terms of sexual happiness. So we've talked before about how the importance of polarity in sexual Mm -hmm. chemistry. So if you're a feminine energy person, typically a woman, um, no matter whether you One have a high, mas- high masculine job <laughs> or high masculine um, need that need to be in your masculine in your life, the ability right. to sink into your feminine correlates strongly with your ability to maintain polarity and chemistry in a relationship. So when a woman, um, any woman of any age, but especially as, as you get into the age, you might have perimenopause. And again, for everyone that's different, um, mm-hmm. it could be as late as late 40s for some women before that even start touching them. Um, but late, by late 30s, you're finding that you've established habits of regular exercise and things you love doing with groups of women. I could say people, but women need women. That's another psychological thing. We need our sisterhood. So make sure you have regular activities, including vigorous exercise that develops muscles as well as cardio with groups of people, especially women, that you feel mm-hmm. like-minded and attached with and, and you feel connected to that you love doing. And um, a lot of their Zumba. feminine exercises, yeah. Zumba, <laughs> Zumba is great. It's so much fun.
1: Yeah, um, I know and I Zumba. recommend, the
5: reason I recommend pole dancing, because <laughs> I, I can't help it, but I also think if you're pole dancing, you want a cardio as well. So I do, personally, I choose kickboxing, hot yoga and Pilates, and pole dancing as my three go-tos. And my pole dancing is very feminine, intuitive. It is not choreographed or performative. And the you reason kickbox? I choose pole dancing, I love kickboxing. You're a badass. I love I want it to see a video. so much. Okay. Well, I'll ask my favorite trainer is Tommy Debo. He's also on Instagram, and he loves um, working with men and testosterone issues. So, And he's super fun. He's a, an ex-prize fighter. Um, I'll bring him on the show. But I can I – can, yeah, he's cool. You're going to like him a lot. Um, but he and I love talking about men and testosterone. It's not my specialty, although I know some you know some things about natural support for testosterone. He's really, that's kind of his thing. I'm um, helping men stay off anything artificial and being fully aware that you can maintain good testosterone levels through your nutrition. But anyway, getting, so he's also a trainer at my kickboxing. He's my favorite so positive, so encouraging, talks in a strong Brooklyn accent, and he's all tatted up. Um, He's like this super tough teddy bear, right? And so (laughs) with a trainer like that, you know, you always feel like you're doing great, and you always want to do a little more. And um, so it's a lot of cardio, and it's a lot of muscles, and it's also a certain energy. It's a very masculine energy. And so it's Mm -hmm. fun for me to play with that. It's fun for me to play in that that space because I don't get to it a lot. And then a hot yoga and Pilates, you're sweating out so many toxins. It's so good for your blood and and circulatory system, lymphatic system, a lot of strength, a lot of flexibility. And then the pole dancing and dance is very feminine. And um, we have to climb the pole. And that's so much arms. And you flip upside down. And that's your core. So You're getting muscles as well as a lot of stretching, flexibility, fluid movements, hips, joints, um, super wonderful, exciting sexual energy, feeling excited about your body, feeling sexy. So those, that's how I mix it up. And, um, and it took me a long time to find that sort of, you know, combination for me. And it might be different for other women, but it makes me, I want to get out of bed in the morning and go like, I, I I love it and I'm kind of lazy. So <laughs>
1: Well no, but you feel feel good for doing it. Like I try and hit the gym a couple of times a week and go for at least one bike ride. Ideally if I had the time I'd do, you know, two bike rides, two gyms, You know, and uh working on that. But it's just, you know, time's a constraint too. But if you had and a ratio, you love
5: bike riding, uh, but you're you're solo bike riding, but I bet it's very meditative and you're outside and you get Oh, you're kidding, I work so. out
1: I work out most of the things I do on the show on bike rides. <laughs> I yeah, action rate yeah, it was so created it really on a long. bike ride. You know, I mean, the original idea right. for back in 2014, in January, it was on a bike ride. Uh, and so I don't, I, I never play music. I don't bring a, a headset of any kind. I just go out and ride. But I also, you know, talk to the animals. You know, so I, I have, uh, there's a couple of rabbits, uh, and I know where they are. And, the, you know, I'll see them out waiting, and, and I'll slow down. We'll kind of, like, run together for, like, 20 seconds or so. It's really kind of cool. You know, I get dragonflies flying beside me. So it's, 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 it's a very spiritual
5: So you're, like, having uh, a spiritual connection and mental and mm-hmm. all this on your bike riding and physical cardio. Yep.
1: Yep. That's lovely. Never just a bike ride. And you know, I, wrote men, down a, I worked on something what? here, too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell me.
5: Oh, no, go ahead. You worked on something.
1: Well, I, just, I wrote down something as we were talking earlier. I said there's more to sex than sex. You know, something you were mentioning mm-hmm. earlier. Um, it's not just sex. You know, it is your attitude. It is, you know, how's your day? It is your, your physical condition, your mental condition, and your spiritual condition. I think you know we've talked about this before there's a lot of spiritual energy and so bike riding if I had someone with me I talk it's different but when I'm by myself that's when all the critters come out in fact I met a uh, cottonmouth watermark right. the, the trail one day that was that was really exciting as I ride by it's hissing at me the mouth wide open Like, oh yeah hello nature <laughs> you know or, or when I pass by uh, early one morning uh, th- there's a pile of warm bear poop <laughs> and it's like I know the bears close by this that's still steaming you know, so I'm just riding along, you know, by myself. That's really that interesting.
5: interesting. So like mm-hmm. nature showing herself to you while you're in solitude yes. and silence
1: mm-hmm. and
5: that wouldn't happen in company, which is such a beautiful, I feel like spiritual lesson. And it it sort mm-hmm. of relates to meditation. Why meditate? And it's when you get quiet and still by yourself that God can speak to you.
1: And yeah, it doesn't work um, that way for me. I need to be doing I love something. That you, yeah.
0: Well,
5: it's meditative. So yoga is this way also. So in mm-hmm. yoga, you are doing something, but you're only listening to your breath and your body, and, and mm-hmm. you become a receptacle for, for wisdom and um, calmness, and it is very meditative also. So I feel like you can have meditative activities without sitting there where you connect actually Yes, I God. can do
1: that. I've tried meditating. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever happens for me. But if I go on a bike ride, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times I'll look up the animals that I see. You know, I've, I've seen multiple armadillos, armadillos, if you go to the action radio video page, you know, you'll see mm-hmm. a couple of really, and I just, I just stand there and watch them and, you know, photograph them, put them on my, my self, cell phone and bring it back to the, you know, put, post them. I um, mean, but then you get the people, the negative people. It's so funny. They say, well, armadillos have leprosy. What are you doing? You know, I say, well, it's not like I'm snuggling with them. I'm just watching them. <laughs> you know, give me a break. Uh, but I feel like I'm so in denial of the natural world and the spiritual world. And I think of the sexual world. You know, they all kind of go hand in hand. See, I see everything as a continuum. And so they do; everything st- goes together. Yeah. But everything then you go together. to the
5: gym, and are in mm-hmm. the gym, you're low. Because I'm kind of getting a, a taste. I know. I feel like I know what most women need, like feminine energy, when it comes to like physicality and and getting connected and feeling good about exercise. I, I kind of got the handle on that. But as mm-hmm. far as men, so um, the gym. You're there, and you're doing lifting weights, and are are there other men around? Do you kind of like when you're at the well, gym, it's kind of like being in that camaraderie? Um,
1: uh, no, because, it, well, it, it's like I have friends in the gym that I talk to, but it's separate. Now we're just chatting, uh, and I can't, I can't do that, you know, usually at the beginning or at the end because I don't want to interrupt mm-hmm. and lose my... No, my, I mean, not uh, chatting, but my, just
5: being there in the presence of other men also working out nah, is that i
1: could be by myself no, in the doesn't. gym i could be all okay, by myself okay, and okay. i do the same thing yeah yeah uh but there's so that interesting I know they and are. men
5: and women are different that way women usually usually want to be yep. with a group and usually want to be together
1: yeah right we all go to the bathroom together too <laughs> men don't do that yeah
5: we're social creatures
1: Yeah. Men are social too, um, but, but, but it depends. I mean, I see guys working out together. They, they have their plan and their cards and they, uh, you know, and there's some guys that, uh, you know, they'll try and book three machines at once and, and I'll just hop in the middle of one. Sorry. You know, I was using that machine. Well, you're not in it now, pal. I am. (laughs) You know, it gets kind of funny Mm -hmm. sometimes. Very territorial. It's like, you know, but, uh, but for the most part, nah, it's just fun. But I've had some fascinating conversations. Um, in, in the gym. In fact, I got one of my guests from there was a prison chaplain, met in the gym. I've I got like maybe two or three of my guests. You know, we're just chatting. But it's not exercise necessarily relating. Uh, oh, Mark was checking in from the Netherlands. Uh, he says he goes bike, mm. he, he bike rides by himself too. Uh, he says, no one reminds mm. me, but he's pretty slow. Yeah, see, my pace is my pace. You don't realize that you're too slow or too fast until somebody passes you or you pass somebody also- else.
5: also... Does Mark also feel like you do? Like like he like he has a lot of ability to think and kind of... Um, ask him. To see, like, he's online future, right now. I'm curious. Yeah. Well, he's in the
1: Netherlands right now. Just ask him directly. It's Marco.
5: Okay. He can hear me? Oh, of yep. course. He's, he's
1: listening right now. <laughs> he, types, he types in on live chat because uh, I don't think he can what call the show and listen. What is this thing
5: called radio? Um, yeah. So, yeah, Mark, I'm curious if you relate to what Greg's saying um, that you enjoy it because it's solo and you can really be alone with your thoughts and are you out in nature are you are you feeling sort of more connected to god in nature biking
0: or
1: um yeah i'm
0: well,
1: gonna we'll see you get a response in a bit now if you if you're okay, watching so online let's go too back
0: to, let's yeah you can, like
1: i said you can get sure live chats too on. Yeah, okay. I I
5: want to make sure we touch on um, Mm -hmm. the use it or lose it as you get older. So there has been a lot of evidence that points to if you do not regularly engage in sexual activity, whether it's solo or with a partner, um, you begin to, it accelerates the aging process, especially of the reproductive structures, Mm -hmm. and you begin to lose desire even more. So it is important as in physical exercise, it is important to have sexual exercise regularly to keep your sexuality up. And sexuality is deeply connected to our emotional health and our spiritual health. So I just want to make sure that's emphasized and it's fine. No, if It's masturbation. It's fine if it's whatever it is, right. but, um, you know, Greg and I both recommend finding a partner that you communicate well with and having a long term yeah. relationship. Um, but even if it's just masturbation, so that, that I, I just want to emphasize going through menopause and going through just have testosterone changes men go through to yep. continue to have regular sexual activity. Um, maybe even if you don't feel like it, you know, sometimes one well, partner doesn't feel
1: like it. <laughs> uh, oh, that's an interesting topic. I remember there was a, like a exercise. Once you
5: start, you're probably good.
1: Yeah. Well, use it or lose it. I believe that's absolutely critical. And so people think when they stop reproducing, they should stop using their reproducing organs. That's a bunch of nonsense. You know, what do I need to do that for? Well, because it's healthy for you. You know, and so many of these things are connected. Dennis Prager said something very controversial. I remember him being interviewed and he talked about um, husbands and wives. And he said that wives, you know, as long as not an abusive situation or something like that, um, should have sex with their husbands even if they don't necessarily want to, it may not be important mm-hmm. to them, but it's really important to them. I husband. would
5: agree. I okay, agree with this. It. And I think that's not that simple. And I think there needs to be a level of respect. And, you know, you and I have talked about emotional, that a woman's heart, if it's not feeling safe and nurtured, her pussy doesn't right. work. Excuse me, her vagina doesn't work. The parts no, you can don't work.
0: Okay. okay. Um,
5: well, I love that word. So, but it doesn't work. It's like an on off switch for most people in their feminine energy. There's an on off switch. And if the heart doesn't feel safe, it doesn't matter what the brain says. Um, it doesn't work. She's very wise. Mm -hmm. That being it is like exercise. Sometimes it's this downward spiral where you feel disconnected. So you don't have sex and the sex is a little element in the relationship where you do get connected and you actually, So men for sex, men during sex tend to get a lot of healing and emotional connection in that. Then their guard comes down. Then sometimes, and you know your man best, but frequently that's when they're able to um, hear you and kind of um, let down their guard and and have that conversation that needs to happen. But getting there, you know, for a woman is hard because when when her heart doesn't feel safe, um, nothing down there is working. But I would say this um unless you're in an abusive situation or you're really it's really it's an abusive sexual situation if you're with a partner you love and and there's a block and you don't want to i think it is a little bit like going to the gym after you know being on vacation for a week where you you just drank and ate it's hard that first day it's hard to get out the door in those exercise clothes but i would encourage a woman in that kind of relationship to try to, to even if her body doesn't feel like it, just just try to open her heart, unzip the heart, be open, and um, try to have physical intimacy. And sometimes that is what's needed to then uh-huh. open both of you to the conversation that needs to happen. Um, and I will agree with you; it is a physical need for men. It's a need. So so not doing it um, if that goes on, you know, I don't advocate saying making excuses for cheating but that is the pathway right. to him finding someone else to do it with it, it is a need mm-hmm. and, I, and i'm a feminist saying that um well is no but that's just basic so.
1: biology you know it's, I remember uh, remember dr laura schlesinger she used to be on the radio mm. for years yeah years and years wonderful yeah mm. and she was talking about this uh it says that women you know uh, have sex for fun it can be purely recreational mm-hmm. or all the other things we've talked about uh as part of a relationship and everything else but men you know, we're biologically wired. There is a reproductive element to having sex, and it's you know it's a, you can't separate the two. Um, and so it's a different thing. So men, biologically, in other words, to, to use it or lose it, have to keep using it, and so mm-hmm. it, it's a different thing. So so for now, for women, let's let's, let's um, I don't know how how I can ask this, um, but if not you, but just if women in general, or if a woman is having sex with their partner, husband, boyfriend, whatever, uh, and she's not particularly into it, uh, how would she view that as, you know, she loves this person enough that she's going to do it, even though she doesn't feel like it, knowing it's really important to him? Um, is it like a burden? Is it like she's, she's doing him a favor? How, how would one look at this, mm-hmm. of having sex purely for the other person, simply because they know it's really important and really necessary, and it's actually biological? So how would one look at that?
5: Yeah, and there's this, like, what are the reasons she doesn't want to? So is he not, did he stop trying to please her in bed? Has he become selfish? Has he become disconnected? Then out of the sack, he never gives her compliments. He doesn't fill her love languages. She's just emotionally completely neglected. And so okay. she's going into heart protective. Or, or, I mean, there's a variety of reasons. And, again, you and I have talked about the importance of good communication and, I believe, right. a relationship contract. And the relationship contract is you know, this is what I need and you agree to do this for me um, to keep our relationship and this is what you need and I agree to this. And Mm -hmm. when these things aren't happening, we bring them up immediately and discuss them and um, that will prevent a lot of um, going down the road to no sexual desire and no sexual activity. But again, what is the reason she doesn't want to and do we have good communication established initially or is it something we're Mm -hmm. trying to quickly scrapped together when the crisis hits, right?
1: Yeah, you don't give before that. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but I think part of this is if, if guys are asking, then they should also be giving. In other words, are there guys that are just asking for sex because it's biological uh, and not and, and not offering anything in return? And women might resent that and say, so, you know, but women would be more likely. Uh, to have, have sex even if they're not crazy about it at that particular time simply because they really respect their partner and uh, there's nothing that they particular there's nothing that they're lacking in other parts of the relationship that's a huge part I mean I frequently
5: think. one problem with women is frequently they're overburdened and exhausted and overwhelmed right. especially they have small children this is I think one of the biggest reasons the sexuality starts to fizzle and mm-hmm. I always recommend women um, probably not starting to have children unless they have a little bit of fun set aside or their partner can afford help and support in the home. If they don't have family nearby, I think it's critical, right. crucial, okay. essential um, because everything else will start to fall apart. It's nearly impossible for a woman to have small children alone, even if she's married and feel supported and like, you know, not, not really stressed out a lot of the time. It just, we aren't, we are not set up that way. We're set up to be in a village. Humans were meant to be in a village setting in this nuclear family isolation stuff doesn't work so i always recommend having, making sure you have support not being afraid to ask for support from friends Mm -hmm. and loved ones come babysit mom come move near me for five years you can move back to florida in five Mm -hmm. years i need you you know let's build a little house let's get go to your house or make room somehow just get that support and that will help the relationship when you have small children so one reason that's hard to a lot of couples to deal with is the overstress. So when she's overburdened, exhausted and stressed and doesn't know right. how to let things go or doesn't know how to not be perfect, other things that affect mm-hmm. um, relationships, you know, she wants to seem like she keeps it all together, right? Um, I call it bowing to the God of, of exhaustion and overburdened and saying, <laughs> yes, I believe in that, right? Instead yeah, of moving yeah. away from that, like my homeschool families I know whose names I won't mention, the houses are a wreck, but the kids are freaking happy. And the couples say together, oh, yeah. they might be drinking a bottle of wine each night, but they're, but they're together. <laughs> they're getting through it. And that's a couple <laughs> with three, four, five children, they've let a yeah. lot of things go. They've chosen mm-hmm. peace and love and connection over the image for everyone else. Huge. A lot of women don't have that. They haven't worked on that. So they're entering marriages, having children oh, with this idea that they have to perform for society, right? So all their energy goes externally and they're exhausted. And, and that little, um, the P word that I feel like you said, I could say, but I'm just feeling hesitant. She just won't, she's not doing it. She, she's, she's unable. She says, you're cut off from your heart. You're cut off from your pleasure. You're cut off from your um, emotional support and you're exhausted. And, and, you know, there's no room for me here. So there's a lot of work that sometimes has to be done. Um, especially when a woman has small children, but it's surmountable, you know, it's definitely doable. And, um, and this is the relationship contract. I feel like if she's feeling supported enough by her man and appreciated enough and nurtured, um, and she's doing self care and there's room for her in time for self care, she'll be okay in the bed. And you know, yes, sometimes you might not feel like it, but you do it because the marriage is crucially important. And, and if you right. don't do right. it, there goes the marriage. And the kids need the marriage.
0: <laughs> and Is that you taught need anywhere? Marriage.
1: Yeah, the kids definitely need the marriage. Is that taught anywhere to, to couples that, uh, you know, because we hear about marriages all the time, and I was actually in one for a while, um, that, uh, you know, the distractions, the, the, the energies, everything else. There's no time for sex anymore. We're, we're married with kids. You know, and it's like you leave that part out, you've got a problem. And I don't think people even realize that, the, the, that it's your body and mind and spirit will do things to you that, you know, you think you're totally separate, that you can plan everything, regulate everything, and control everything. It's a bunch of nonsense. So let me ask you this. Is there a biological need for women, other than use it or lose it, um, that, there, that there are literally physical changes that women have by having sex on a regular basis that just makes everything better?
5: Repeat that last part. Sorry. Is is there physical? Sorry, is there is
1: there a biological need like men? You know, is is uh, definitely use it or lose it, and uh, we got to keep the hormones going. We got to keep the, you know, all all the you know the various parts doing what they're supposed to do. But for for women, is there a biological need, or is there something that uh, becomes deficient when women don't have sex?
5: Yeah, so there is research on this, and it shows that um, women who have sex regularly during menopause tend to report less problems with vaginal lubrication. So that's interesting, right? Vaginal dryness. Mm-hmm. That,
1: it, right. That, that Is that, Is that the measure like for women? I guess it would like, be.
5: That the glands and the hormones that, that cause vaginal lubrication on her arousal actually mm-hmm. are strengthened by regularity, regularly getting to experience that. Um, that makes sense. Now, it is true that pain during sex, um, can occur during menopause, and there's also hormonal reasons for that as well. Mm-hmm. But there are so many really effective um, natural products. So there's yam acts as an estrogen, and there are yam creams you can put on your vulva and the opening of the vagina that that will um, cause positive changes, creating more youthful vagina that lubricates well and is less painful. That has been shown over and over and over again, but not talked about a lot because you can make them at home. You can look up a recipe.
1: Yams oh, yeah, so absolutely You're saying are healing. Yam the fruit? Yeah. And huh. also
5: the second one that, that across the board, um, clients say this has been the biggest game changer for menopause is black cohosh.
0: And what so your, your
5: listeners can look that up. Your listeners can look that up but um, there are products it. made with that and there are at home products you can make. And what they're saying is, um, and this isn't just new, this has been a lot years uh, of, of research and evidence on black cohosh and menopause changes that, um, that women will come back to appointments and say, wow, that is unbelievable. You know, hot oh. flashes, um, uh, so the, black cohosh like helps reduce hot flashes and night sweats. How do you spell they it? It has some sort of effect how, how you on you candy, How do you spell uh, cohosh? How do you spell?
1: look it up. C o
5: h o s h. But you know those cells that are, they are called the candy cells, and they're up near the um, uh, hypothalamus, and they um, mm-hmm. they regulate temperature, and they're very affected by estrogen levels. So apparently black cohosh, in my understanding, has some effect on those and um talks to those and so the hot flashes and i believe also vaginal dryness um uh, some women have sleep disturbances and black cohosh uh across the board um, menopausal women say absolutely it helps with their sleep as well so i would really recommend looking into that before anything else so do you you eat it
1: take it put it on what what would you do with it
5: so um black cohosh is uh the parts that are used is the um, roots, the roots of the plant. And uh-huh. you can, like, you can get the powder by itself, which a lot of, this is really fun. I actually enjoy this kind of activity. It just speaks to who I am. I like going to herbal stores and like natural stores. And when they have the bins of powdered and dry herbs, I get so excited because in my life, what I've learned, you know, I graduated many years ago from uh, a master's in science at Vanderbilt in nursing, and I practiced right. allopathically. But when I learned, you know, I went through this transformation. And when I started discovering herbs and homeopathy, it blew my mind, and my, my, my logical science
0: what you culture weren't taught brain in was or like, or oh, uh, is well, this a placebo a
5: effect? This must be a placebo effect. This must <laughs> be a coincidence. I would have been taught this had it been real. I would have been taught about homeopathy if it worked. I would have been taught about teas and herbal. And then I finally had to realize, no, because there's not a lot of money in it. You can't patent it. But anyway, black right. cohosh comes in, in liquid tinctures, pills. Um, always look at your source and if you're not sure don't just go to the supermarket and grab black hohosh. I hate to say that. I wish we could do that. But there's so many companies that use um, genetically modified or they have um, just old diluted cheap stuff. You really want to find your friend who's a natural health professional or get on right. Facebook or get on and find like them. Yep. The companies, right? This. Me too. And the companies yeah. get bought really quickly sometimes and sold. Like Annie's got sold to Kraft, and you know, companies we trust get sold and we don't realize it. So get get with a friend first, get with a functional nutritionist first, and say, hey, what's your favorite black cohosh right now? What's your favorite um, yam cream for the vagina right now? Yam cream. And you can also put, yeah. Well, I make my own lotions at home. You can make your own vaginal lubricants at home, and you can make different flavors, different smells with essential oil. And um, you know, with a great intimate partner, you can have fun with that kind of thing.
0: You can you. really
5: have fun. And you know, there's a lot of foods that are lubricating. So if your vagina's dry, maybe you put on the plastic sheets and you have some fun with food. You know, and just make it
0: make okay, so every are, stage or, in life
5: fun. Make it meet meet menopause with acceptance, playfulness, and connection, and you can't lose. You know, you, you is, will always look for the way to alchemize something, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, You're going to shift your sexual play.
5: You're going to shift your sexuality to less about penis, hard penis into vagina, and more about, okay, maybe hard penis into vagina, and maybe hard penis somewhere else, and maybe, and maybe we add this, and we do this, and we have these. Mm-hmm. fun costumes that that suck in my 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 menopausal stomach that's growing and lift up my <laughs> menopausal breasts and maybe maybe it's a nippleless costume and it's i mean just have fun maybe i wear high heels so i look a little more slender and um but i believe everything can be alchemized into something even better and i think menopause and, and aging and sexuality can also be as well and there's tons of evidence to support this and lots of couples that will say yes that's absolutely possible huh.
1: Is there? I guess there's mm-hmm. no limit to, to an age when, uh, as long as you're breathing, you know, and uh, in somewhat decent shape, you can still have sex. There's, there's no time when it's bad for you, right? I'm asking the question. Is there any time when it's bad for you, where you're too old to have sex? Is that does that exist, or are we built as as human beings as long as we're healthy and breathing and uh, still exercise? I don't know if people like are people in their 90s running marathons, so you know I know it can be done. I won't be one of them. But uh, but I could never run a marathon.
5: There used to be this idea that even for cardiac patients don't have sex because it's too taxing on the heart. I mean, that was that was a, a belief um, that that a man who has heart symptoms shouldn't have sex and it might bring on another heart attack. And although, you know, the heart rate does accelerate during sexual intercourse, but really, even during orgasm, it's only 117 beats. So. <laughs> Well, the mean heart rate beats? during orgasm is 117 beats a minute, which is the same that during many forms of exercise, like climbing the stairs, is about you get about the same heart rate. And, I than 100, um, 117 the on, the on the heart,
1: elliptical. I'm like 122, <laughs> uh, you know, 122, 120, up to 125, I think is the most. But say 122, 123 is typical for me on an elliptical. 117 yeah. is like relaxing. <laughs> that's that's like you know second gear. <laughs>
5: So <laughs> there's a the benefits and for any there's yeah, and there's no disease surgery. state where sexuality yeah. is a problem. There's no disease okay. state where having sex is a problem. And in fact, now there's so many fun devices for people who are um, huh? limited in mobility and can't have sex certain ways. There's all kinds of um, sex toys, and it used to be for kind of the BDSM and kinky um, kinky
1: group. Well, what about
5: And now that BDSM Uh kinky cohort, a lot of those um, sex toys and sex support toys for positioning have now um, are really kind of overlapping into the sexual disability toys. Like there's a lot of similarities. Um, So whatever partners want to experiment with, oh, I can't do that because my hip. Yes, you can. And that attitude, I can't do that, is probably the worst attitude. Um, Uh Wow, how can we do that? How could we do that? How could I do that? my doctor should tell me and if they can't i'm going to get on facebook i'm going to get on ask my friends because there are ways and um anyway i guess i was just i was just getting there's no physical health problems where you where you shouldn't have sexual activity of of some kind yeah Yeah. in fact you you absolutely um, should
1: yeah, I get to a quick thing. Marco's leaving, but uh, he, he uses headphones uh, when he's bike riding. So he, he's, he's like the music generation. I think he's 40-something. So, uh, yeah, just, mm-hmm. just about that. I don't want to think I was ignoring his uh, his answer. So, sex. Oh, that's, you know, it I just, love
5: headphones. If I'm exercising alone, I like music for sure.
1: Nah, I, mm-hmm. I just, in fact, because I, I play rock and roll. If I'm to, say I'm a participant, 100%. If I can't play music, I mean, I don't listen to a lot of music. I play music. Uh, I don't watch parades. I'm in parades. It's kind of funny how that works. So. So do doctors ever? If you got a couple more minutes here, do doctors ever prescribe sex for your health?
5: Well, I'm sure sex coaches will, and and probably well, yeah. functional medicine doctors. But I don't know, and um, I don't know the answer to that. I, I know I would, but I'm not. I'm not a doctor. I'm this weird blend of nurse and sexual liberator. So you got a master's, um,
1: you, you know, you're no dummy. I mean, you know, but I mean, just, I'm just thinking that, uh, I mean, wouldn't, I mean, the sex coach obviously would, that's their job. But think about it. I mean, why wouldn't you, if you can prescribe mm-hmm. exercise, why wouldn't you prescribe sex? You people are having, uh, you seem to be a little sedentary there and your relationship's a little, why don't you guys have more sex? You know, at least well, there's a lot
5: a of, up, and <laughs> I'm I mean, sure there's doctors that do. Just like there's good practitioners everywhere. I'm sure there's doctors that do. Um, but there's a lot. I feel like there's a long way to go. Even, even up until recently, and a lot of nursing homes are still like this. Um, you know, they're actually like preventing, preventing older adults from having sex by not locking the doors and walking into the room suddenly, so nobody could masturbate, right? and right. and having rules about, um, rules about visiting other patients' rooms and getting the family involved. When in reality, uh, you're allowed to consent. A consenting older adult should be allowed to have sex with another consenting older adult without question, mm-hmm. whether they're living mm-hmm. in a nursing home, retirement facility, or anywhere. I should say anywhere. nursing
1: homes. You know, yeah. what about, there's got to be sex in nursing homes. I and mean, wouldn't that be the best thing for folks? Especially Unless there's yeah. some dementia or other Adorable. things. Mm-hmm. For your no mental incapacity, you know, they're, still in, they're just not able to take care of themselves. But if they can still have sex, why not?
5: If they can still consent, then it's nobody's business, honestly, and, and they're not hurting anyone else. Um,
1: mm-hmm. The staff
5: should be, the, the attitude should be very supportive because it would increase longevity, definitely increase yeah. quality of life, and mood, and spirit, and appetite. Absolutely, agreed, agreed. agreed. But not, that's this... not what we're seeing. There's been an, there's been an improvement in recent years, but we're not.
1: Right. That. Oh, mm-hmm. too bad. I just had this vision all right. of, of all these ninety year olds, you know, leaping from the room, and the staff going, "Oh, it's nighttime." <laughs> I know. Sorry.
5: I remember my, um, my nurse practitioner preceptor, and I'm going to end on this note, uh, okay. Rhonda in Tennessee, um, taking me to a nursing home when I was following her in my clinical preceptorship, and one of the things she had, was asked to deal with, because the staff was concerned, and there was a woman that was putting on sexy lingerie. She's in her 80s and going at nighttime room to room, absolutely, and she was fully mm-hmm. cognitively intact, so they were like, what do we do, and that was an interesting um, Interesting what did they do? Dilemma. Well, Rhonda was on the up and up and said, "Look, I'm, I'll talk to the doctors and we'll talk to the family. But this needs. She is as long as the room she's visiting, they're able to give consent. This is not something we can do anything about. You know, you just have to make sure everyone's safe. Um,
1: but once but they're safe, take, why Rhonda's would take you was, discourage that? I mean, it's like good for them.
5: Well, yeah. So safe as in like, there's not, it's nighttime, the lights are off and there's things in the, I'm like, you know, they just want to make sure no one's tripping and falling at, at nighttime, but you know, it's, it's, um, you know, the Robin the family the is the biggest barrier mm-hmm. here. The family yeah. then, you know, starts a lawsuit and you know, it's mm-hmm. horrified, but, yeah. um, I don't know. So anyway, in a nutshell, sexuality, hugely important for aging, do what you can to keep your sex life healthy and happy, including mm-hmm. exercise, great nutrition, um, mm-hmm. and uh, examining your own views of your body and sexuality and making sure they're right. intact and healthy so you attract partners who um, are also healthy and want to communicate and want and, and value um, sexuality for the uh, rest of your lives as, as being very important. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, for those younger folks who don't want their older parents or grandparents having sex in nursing homes, how do you think they came into being, <laughs> you idiots? Uh, anyway, <laughs> on that note, let's let's get your contact information uh, yeah. and uh, and anything we didn't cover that you want to cover on this, feel free to bring up next week. But this is fascinating.
5: So my website is yoniyun.com, Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N.com. and I offer free fifteen minute consultations for anybody that um, would like uh, private sessions or um, movement movement group sessions. We do them regularly for women. And I'm on Facebook, Dorothy Diana. I love to connect with people and just discuss these topics. Um, my Facebook group is becoming more and more people who love to talk about masculine, feminine energy, and sex. So that's super fun for me. And, and, is and that really because of our show here? Healthy bodies overall.
1: Do you have people listening, if I can keep you for another 30 seconds, do you have people listening who, who want to, especially because I'm presenting a guy view that a lot of shows won't do. They only want the women's, which is really absurd. Um, is this generating some conversation? What we're doing?
5: Yes, I think so. I mean, I have several okay. friends that listen regularly. I don't know who all listens. I have. I have. I've been told there's people listen that don't tell me they listen. So, um, <laughs> and I think the reason it's talked about more for women is because traditionally and still, men. I have to be careful how I say this. Men tend not to come into adulthood with the kind of shameful horrible ideas of their sexuality as women do so Mm -hmm. men tend to still in our culture have a lot of support when it comes to being free with their sexuality that's what i'm going to say Mm -hmm. there i think that's maybe why the emphasis is lately on women uh more just kind of you know but we don't want to leave men behind and throw them under the bus. And you and I, you and I agree about that.
1: <laughs> well, absolutely. But we talk about guy things that aren't necessarily talked about. But as far as traditional attitudes, yeah. You know, women are always the guardians. You know, don't get pregnant. Don't do this. You know, don't, don't get a bad reputation. And the guys are like, you know, hey, uh, well, if you're a real man, you'd be doing this, this, and this. And these stereotypes have ruined generations of people, unfortunately.
5: Yeah, we're throwing all those stereotypes out the, out the window, aren't we?
1: Yep, sure are. They don't have
5: serve to. anyone. They don't serve anyone. You have a great week. I love I loved talking to you. I've got a little guy here that would like some connection time, so I'm going to oh, yeah, reconnect sense. with my, my youngest here.
1: Well, thank you once again. I really look forward to our, our, our chats. It's uh, always brightens my day, especially after a heavy couple of hours of politics and I get to talk to you. This is so exciting. This is fun. So thank you. We'll do it again next yes,
5: week. Yes, and what did, we, what did you tell me to post about? Oh, nutrition. Uh, diet yeah, sex diet for great sexual health. We want okay. sex food. That's a great idea. Sex foods I for women, that. sex foods
1: that. for men, uh, sex foods for both. And then uh, we're not talking about you know, during sex. We're talking about foods for your nutrition folks. Although you can do that too. <laughs>
5: uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think flaxseed is that fun during sex probably. But exactly. okay, yeah. I love that. I love that topic. Thank you, Greg. We'll talk soon. Thank
1: you, Dorothy. Talk to you soon. Okay. Right. Bye Bye now. Bye now. See phone we have around here? I mean, it's just it's just it's, it's such a crazy place. All right, so I played all my ads. I played all the stuff I have to play. Um, no, I don't think I did. I think there's like a couple more I need to uh, – yeah, it's okay. I'll do them tomorrow. <laughs> I've had enough. Um, and, I, and now I have a, a contact thing where I can play all my contact information. I have to keep repeating it so that I'll have to get used to that. So anyway, back tomorrow, uh, 7 a.m. Central Time. We've got uh, uh, Brianna Cannon with Government Inquiry. We've got Josie Cossi with the Latina Report, and the third hour is open. So whatever happens in the third hour happens. And I will see you all tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, where we do it all again. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash action. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page, available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S WriteYourLaws.com This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening.